Introducing the Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua JR 50th. One of the highest rated cigars in the industry is now available in a special rounded torpedo size. Celebrate our 50th anniversary in style with this iconic limited edition smoke, only available at jrcigars.com. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Smoke Night Live. This is episode 307. I'm your host. You can call me Master Sensei. But you say it just like that, Master Sensei. You can call me Master Sensei. We have a huge show tonight, Jordan. Yes. Huge show tonight. So This is going to get interesting. Now, first and foremost, i got to tell you guys, if you're watching tonight and participating on the show... You have a chance to win. This isn't just entertainment. This is also for your own personal benefit. Do you, are you in need of a scarf? Are you in need of a scarf? Yeah, you got that. Check out this scarf. It's a, uh, Jordan, show me, uh, it's a brand new Crux Cigars. It still has a tag on it somewhere. Tag's right there. Crux Cigars Scarf, which is super cool. So that's not the game used edition. This is not the game used edition, not with Casey's sweat on it, No. This is brand spanking new. Plus, the winner will also get an entire box of Crux Epicure Maduro. These are made at the what? AJ Fernandez factory. A beautiful box of 20 Epicure Maduros. This is a 6x54. So uh, it's the Salomon. It's a very amazing prize. Now, here's the thing. You can win just by making a comment um, if I were to randomly pick your name, but... I have to say, when I randomly pick these names, uh, the winner, I'm looking for something kind of funny, Jordan. Mm. I don't, I, you know, it can't just be a, hey, dude, what's up? Like, I'm looking for a, some sort of intelligent or interesting you gotta comments. Work for you got to work a little bit for it as you make your comments um, tonight uh, during the show. Um, so I will pick a random winner and announce that. Prop, I might announce that on Wednesday night's uh, Flavor Odyssey. So make your comments good. <laughs> um, thank you, Joe Grow, watching. Um, Joe Grow is watching. We're just going to keep doing this contest and yes. just never pick a winner. <laughs> never Every pick week, a... we'll say. So, oh, so, oh, so people are probably wondering, weren't you supposed to give away the box and the scarf uh, from last Friday's show with Casey? Well... Here's the thing. That just got lost in the shuffle. <laughs> it got lost in the shuffle, and I kind of forgot. And plus, and I figured... you didn't try hard enough. We didn't really get to show the prize. We didn't really get to talk about it, because it was like it was one of those things where Casey was like, let's just give this away right now. And I was like, okay. Uh, but so we're doing it tonight instead, because now everybody kind of knows what's at stake. Everybody understands the contest, and uh, I will pick a winner from tonight's show. Uh, all you got to do to win, or to enter and uh, to win... Yeah. is to uh, make a comment on the show. Make it funny. Catch my attention. Let's have some fun on this next 60 to 75 minutes of amazing internet airtime. 
And let's get right to it. Oh, before we do, I need to announce one more thing. I don't know if you guys noticed, but on the Dojoverse tonight, I, uh, I did announce that now there is an Asylum badge. Asylum! So if you That's want you to earn the Asylum badge on the Dojoverse, smoke and check into Asylum Cigars. It goes something like this, just so you guys know. Uh, you get your badge after your first five smokes of Asylum. And after that, you get another level at 10. And then it goes 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, up to 100. And then after that, it's 20, 20, 20, 20. That's how all of the brand badges work. I needed to make that clear because there's some confusion. And some of the confusion was brought on by me. So, <laughs> and your um, competence. And, 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 my, and my forgetfulness. So I think I said the wrong thing a couple times. I apologize for that. But that's how it works. Five. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, up to 100, 10, then 10 to 20. 20 after that. So that's how brand badges work. Um, we'll see who becomes the first Asylum brand badge winner. Tonight is the Cigar Industry War Room. Here's what we like to do occasionally. Uh, we like to bring in, in some cigar room. experts, some cigar media experts or experts just in general about the cigar industry. And we like to talk about some pressing issues. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight in the form of a war room. We want to get down and dirty and figure out, argue, debate, whatever you want to call it, on these issues. So what I've asked is that all of our guests bring a topic that is near and dear to their heart. And we will uh, we'll basically talk about uh, five topics, but we're going to have a warm-up topic and this is how we're going to get started. But before we get there, let's bring on our guests, Jordan, from the North Carolina uh, area, the Charlotte Command Center, deep in the mountains somewhere in some sort of bunker, is General William Cooper. General William Cooper, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friend. Are you ready for the war room tonight? Oh, he's, he's muted, Jordan. Uh, are you there, Cooper? Unmute. Coop. Yeah, Commander Sensei, uh, there yes, you are. Man. All right, that wasn't my fault, by the way. Coop, what do you? Uh, <laughs> that was my fault. That was my fault. <laughs> are you are you, are you ready to solve all of the cigar industry's woes tonight on the show? No, I don't know. I don't know if this even the steam team can solve the mess the cigar industry is. <laughs> wow, Coop, that's that's a pretty hot take right off the bat. Like the fact yeah. that you think there, that there is some there is some fire that's going to be. I mean, with some of these topics tonight, be sure it's going to be very, very. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so before we get there, Coop, uh, what are you smoking and what are you drinking tonight? All right, uh, I just have water, but um, I'm actually going for the first time. I haven't smoked this yet. I'm going to go with the psychedelic oh. turtle. That's what I'm going to do, Coop. Two? I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do two. that. This is the two. I'm going to do that and too. Then, Yep, and then in honor of Nick, I'm going to follow it up with the LOSA JR 50th. Nice. That's a that's a great lineup. Both uh, JR. Yep. Both JR cigar releases. Uh, oh, yep, they're both JR cigar releases. Uh, let me guess, you got a diet Dr Pepper. Oh, I just got the water. Ah, ah. dang, yeah. so close. Actually, uh, you know, I lied. I have a diet diet generic lemon lime. All right, that's close enough. So that's it. So yeah, I got that's water too. Yeah. yeah, the diet Coke. I uh, I have to get some more of that. All right, and. Uh, Deep in the woods, Jordan. Deep in the woods, in the northeast, oh. somewhere. I can't say where, but somewhere in the northeast. We have none other than JR Cigars' Nick Labretti. Nick, welcome back to Smoke Night Live, my friend. Always a pleasure uh, joining you guys. Uh, yeah, right now I'm on the run from Dog the Bounty Hunter, so I'm going to hide out. <laughs> 
didn't want him to find me. So, yeah. and by the way, General William Cooper really sounds like right out of a Civil War documentary. Like, I can definitely <laughs> say, hey, General William William S. Cooper. Now, uh, <laughs> thank you, Mick. <laughs> did I tell this story already on the show, Jordan, about Dog the Bounty Hunter? No, I didn't. Nick, I got to tell you the story real quick before we move on to our, our final guests. The other day, my daughter, she's at church, and she's holding my other daughter's baby in her arms, right? Little Shiloh. He's a cute little guy. He's only, I don't know, six months old or something, seven months. How old is he, Jordan? Uh, some eight months. He's eight months old. She's holding Shiloh in her arms at church. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody walks up to her and sort of tickling baby Shiloh. Oh, he's so cute. Look at the baby Shiloh. She looks up. It's Dog the Bounty Hunter. It's literally, oh, it's literally him. It's Doug. He so was she, supposed to be out finding that guy. Exactly. He's yeah. tickling babies. I, I, right? I, I know. I mean, that's incredible. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's, on, that's my dog story. What that's are you smoking tonight, uh, Nick? What do, you got, what do you got smoking and drinking? Well, uh, just drinking water right now, but I am smoking our brand, brand new, and I got the box here just for this purpose, brand new Herrera Esteli JR50. That's dropping next Tuesday. Oh, my. see that. Made for that. a special by Willie himself. So beautiful, beautiful smoke. Looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah. I got to get my hands on that thing for sure. I'm a, sure. I am a Herrera Esteli fanatic. Just ordered a five-pack the other day. It's unlike anything he's ever blended before. Wow. It's, it's really, really good. Nice church, chill size. All right. Now, our next two guests are both on the West Coast. Let's start to, uh, in the, uh, the near San Francisco bunker. Uh, Robbie Raz, you guys know him as Robbie Raz, the host of Flavor Odyssey. Robbie, how are you doing, my friend? Welcome to Smoke My Live. Hello, boys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing fantastically well. I've got a cigar going. I've got a beer going that didn't quite go with the cigar. So I got up and got some rum and I've got a topo. I've got a box of backup cigars. Just I heard Coop was going to be on. So I was planning for a three hour show <laughs> and I, I just I'm, I'm ready to go. man. All right. Uh, Robbie's ready to go. Also, <laughs> also in the uh, the northwest sort of or maybe the midwest uh, west coast area. None other than uh, Randy Griggs. Randy, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Um, I'm super pumped. I got to say that uh, Coop is just w ready to start like throwing flamethrower, fire, hot takes like right out of the chute. Super <laughs> pumped about what that means for the rest of the show. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. What do you What do you got oh, smoking? What do you got I smoking, am, Randy? Yeah, sorry. I am smoking the Black Works Studio Green Hornet, uh, and I am uh, drinking Mick, beautiful Michter's mm. Rye, and I've got a crowler here of right off the, uh, the bright tank from the brewery today, a tropical IPA we just perfected and really excited about. So I'm, I'm, I'm settled in for the long haul. I'll be trashed like 40 minutes through, and uh, it's spicy. <laughs> Jordan, uh, make sure you're on the right Wi-Fi. Are you on the right Wi-Fi? Uh... Yeah, of course I am. All right, just making sure because there's a little audio crackle. A little audio crackle. Can't uh, figure that out. All right, let's get the uh, war room started. Master Sensei. Yes. Have, before we get started, yes. I have one quick, two quick things. One, I forgot to say what I was smoking. I'm smoking the uh, Creature from uh, Tatooine out of the uh, Monster Mash. You uh, son of a gun. fresh released How Monster is that? Mash pack. 
Um, it is, well, I'm about an inch in. It's, it's a little bit rich. It's got some spice to it, and it does not go well with the Campfire Stout from Highwater Brewing. Uh, so I moved on to rum, but it's got a nice spice to it. I'll uh, update you all as the show goes on how the flavor's working. And I just got an email from Cigar Dojo, Cigar Dojo, Dojo Verse. I just earned my blue belt. Whoa. Oh, hey. Look oh. out. I'm, look out, man. I know, Randy, you got Whoa. yours six months ago, whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. Congratulations. For you. That's, that's, a big, that's a big accomplishment. Jordan, what are you smoking? Uh, Dodger Blue? Dodger Blue belt? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I well am smoking well the Crux Epicure <laughs> at the moment. It's almost over, and then I will be moving over to this year's Dogma release, which is now shipping. Nice. I, I'm doing the Shit Turtle 2. I'm doing the Turtle 2, the same as, as Coop. Whoa. I, I love this stick. This is one of my favorite releases that we've ever done. Made at the AJ Fernandez uh, factory. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to get those... Yes, screwed up. All right, let's get this. Uh, let's get this party started. So we need a warm up topic. So for the warm up to- topic, we are going to our studio audience to get us started. Uh, to none other than our good buddy Scott Brayband, who owns Trinity Cigar Lounge. And as I've said a million times, it is the greatest mobile cigar lounge in the universe. Mm-hmm. We've gone to the universe. Scotty, how are you doing tonight, and uh, how can you kick off the War Room topics for us? All right, gentlemen, good evening. Great to see you all. Been too long. So we're going to kick this off with something that's been kind of bugging me slash grinding my gears for most of this year, and I want your guys' takes on it. All right. As a retailer, I make up a big percentage of my sales in the premium flavored cigar market. Things, you know, as we all know, Acid, Tobacco Special, Isla del Sol, Deadwood Tobacco Company, you name it, the list goes on and on. I've been very concerned slash disappointed with the way that our PCA has been representing or lack thereof representation, what I feel, for the flavored cigar market in our industry. How do you all feel the PCA has been representing that market. All right, boom. We can't start harder than that, Jordan. Right into the uh, the, the meat and potatoes. Let's go to our good buddy, uh, Coop, in the North Carolina Command Center. Coop, what are your thoughts on how the Premium Cigar Association is handling, i.e., representing the flavored-infused premium cigar market? So the reaction that we should have seen when this started, you know, when this started really gaining steam, we should have seen like a Franklin Delano Roosevelt response to Pearl Harbor. Okay, this this was a huge attack, right? And we should have we should have had a, a much stronger response than than we had. Um, and to me, I don't I, I don't see I did not see that response. And here's the thing, Scott's got such a valid point because that makes up a good chunk of sales in his humidor. Now. They've kind of, I think the PCA could have done a much more swift and much more heavy-handed response than what I've seen. What I've seen them do is they've kind of twisted this more towards the battle on characterizing flavors. So, and what we mean by characterizing the flavors is like I'm smoking this, uh, you know, psychedelic turtle right now, and I'm 
getting notes of pepper and chocolate and herbs. And, you know, they, they, they want to kind of like with chocolate, they kind of want to protect that language. And I see them focusing the, the battle on flavors around that. But what I don't see them is how are they going to stop the, the uh, acids, the ambrosias, um, the, uh, the upsetters from getting removed from, from the shelves? So I'm disappointed with the response. I, I think there should have been a much bigger response given the amount of sales this does for the retail community. Um, uh, interesting. Now, when we had uh, Glenn and Josh on the show recently, um, I asked this question. It was the first question that I asked on the show. And um, I got to say, I was, I was a little concerned uh, with the response. It almost seemed like they were... You know, Glenn was sort of like, that's somebody else's battle. Uh, Josh was a little bit more like, we're in, we're, we're, we're in this battle, we want to fight this fight. So it was, it was a, a little bit of a mixed message. Um, Nick Labretti in the Northeast Command Center, what are your thoughts on this topic? Well, I think you also, you got to look at it from two perspectives. I mean, you got to... Ultimately, yeah, the PCA, you know, representing the cigar industry as a whole you got to represent the cigar industry as a whole. Now, that being said, you know, one of the big fights with the FDA right now is the distinction between premium cigar and then these kind of other ones. I feel like the inf there's a lot of infused cigars, though, like Coop just said, ambrosia, you know, even acid that fall under the premium category. So that being said, like, they, they're still kind of wishy that. So, yeah, I feel like they need to protect the industry as a whole because listen we all might be purists here we only smoke you know foundation or dunbarton huge portion of this industry huge um, uh, uh, almost vast majority is made up of these kind of cigar smokers and so to kind of downplay that and oh we're only going to focus on making sure that you know herrera esteli is fine I, I, it's it's kind of short-sighted in my opinion yeah to add on what nick said too this is the first time too that they're going for prohibition on our products, if you think about it. So this is a prohibition type move, which is why I, I just think the response needed to be much bigger. Right. Uh, uh, Robbie, uh, your thoughts. I am blown away by Coop throwing around prohibition and, <laughs> and uh, World War II and all this stuff. I love it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm on board with everybody. It does feel like it's being treated as though uh, flavored cigars are they're going to be their own thing, and premium, ultra premium, or premium cigars are their own thing. It almost feels like there is a kind of a separation, whether it's planned or not. Feels like it's happening. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that idea, um, but uh, I, I tend to agree with what everybody's saying here is that not taking a strong, uh, not having a strong reaction is is kind of like the nail in the coffin. It feels like Randy. And if you uh, don't mind me saying, uh, no, go ahead. Really, jump really in, quick, Nick. Just, to, jump just in. to touch on, on that point is that if you're, if you're going to do this kind of premium versus other, well, like, you know, acid is a lot more premium than a lot of bundled, non-infused, non-flavored cigars out there. So like, how Absolutely. are you making this, how are you making this classification of like what, it, what is protected and what's not? I think you got to put cigars all together and figure out a way to fight for them all, and then other tobacco products you leave to other, you know, other yep. organizations. I agree. Uh, yeah, that's a great point, Randy. You got uh, you got some uh, input on this one? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's kind of funny because I really got into the cigar industry uh, like following what was going on and everything right around when uh, this all started to become a, a major conversation. Uh, so I, I have a kind of unique 
you know, newer, you know, obviously I don't have the inside uh, scoop uh, like our good general over here in the corner. But uh, but I'll tell you, he, he, Kip's absolutely right. You know, most people don't know. You know, I've studied prohibition. It, it's, it's an apt uh, analogy because, you know, we focus so much on, on the Volstead Act of 1920 when, it com- when we completely abolished alcohol. But the reality is at that point, alcohol was almost already – uh, uh, gone anyways. You know, it starts with we don't drink, we don't sell alcohol on Sundays, and then uh, you know, alcohol, you know, ABV limitations. Yeah. So it, it's it's not just like it goes from you know black to white overnight. It's you know they start chipping away at it, and so I, I absolutely agree that uh, the PCA is uh, you, you know has members in it that sell a uh, vast majority of of their portfolios. In fact, are are flavored cigars. And so for them to collect those member fees and not fight for every member and every member's interest is, 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 is a tough pill to swallow. Um, but I, I definitely would say that, like, as I came in, like, around that time and was still getting the lay of the land and figuring out, like, where, where these entities existed in the industry, it very much felt like a uh, everyone was kind of ready to give up the flavored argument as a, uh, as a sacrificial lamb. If it mm. meant save, saving the rest of cigars, but I totally agree with with Coop. It just doesn't work that way. That's just the first step. You know, then next they're coming for you know Maduro wrappers or or some other like like random unnamed way to classify the next you know fight and battle that that they take on. So, um, yeah, some work to be done there for sure. Ah oh, man, and you're right, and he's right because we saw this with smoking bans already, right? They oh yeah. we just want to separate out the smokers from the non-smokers. And then what happened? No, you guys can't smoke indoors. Let's let's you guys can smoke outdoors. And everyone builds outdoor seating areas. Well, no, now you can't smoke outdoors either. You guys got to go 25 feet away. So he's right. Randy's 100% right. This is the first step. Why wouldn't you try to nip this in the butt right now? It's yeah, it's the slipperiest it, of slopes. It's yep. the uh, proverbial uh, camel's nose in the tent argument, right? Yep. yep. And. Uh, it's it's one of those deals. I I gotta say, Randy, that you you really you really nailed this. I mean, I think I think both Coop, Nick, and and Robbie also you know said kind of what you were saying, but you put a good fine point on this, Randy. In that, um, if you think that if we just forego flavor and infused premium cigars, that they're going to leave us alone, that's the hugest mistake that you could possibly make because you're just giving away. You know, 80 yards of, of beach that you're fighting for, and then they're going to find another 80 yards of beach to fight for after that. You have to be all in for premium cigars 100% of the time. That's that's my opinion. All right. That's a good warm-up topic. Hey, uh, hey, Eric, yeah, can yeah. I, can I make one more comment? Yes, so of course. I'm going to make another fiery comment here. Yeah. So for the first time, the PCA's had open elections right now, right? So guess what? If you don't see the PCA, like, moving for these flavored cigars retailers, then make sure you make it known next time there's an election for, mm. for for board seats i mean to be honest with you you have that power now so there there you go you gotta you gotta yep. make your voice heard is that what you're saying Coop? you gotta make your voice make heard. your voice heard make your voice heard and now that i've given you know, now i've been transparent about that make it happen yeah there you go all right uh that was pretty fiery to get things started uh i'm gonna go next with my topic my topic is a little bit more esoteric i i think that might be a good word for this um how my topic is this how does a new cigar brand get noticed in today's market? So let's rewind a little bit so that I can help you make my point. Um, th- this one isn't. Uh, this topic is is more just in the marketing side. So I'm going to start with with Randy, Robbie, and then I'll I'll work to Nick and then Coop. 
but um, it's a sort of a marketing question in the sense that there was a day where uh, to to get your you know to get noticed as a new brand you know it was really just all brick and mortars like that you needed to have a rep that could it could work your way into a good position into a brick and mortar and then that sort of evolved into well you need to have good advertising in say cigar aficionado or print media and then that evolved into uh, online uh, becoming uh, a, a good you know advertiser online on on blogs and this sort of thing and then now it's it's evolving into you know social media and that kind of stuff but even that now social media has become uh, a bit of it's it's I don't want to say, um, you know, overdone or whatever, but it's much harder now. Like you in the day you had like, you know, guys like Jonathan Drew, these like big personalities, Matt Booth, Pete Johnson, those kind of things. It seems harder now. I don't know. Maybe it's not harder now for a new brand to get noticed in the industry. You see the guys at PCA, um, these these sort of unknown brands, you know, where do they go from here? Is it cigar influencers? Is is print media dead in this regard? Uh, how does? And I'm going to start with Robbie because he's a marketing guy, and so is Randy. But uh, let's start with with um, I'll go with Randy because in reverse order. Randy, what do you think? What are your thoughts on on how a brand new cigar brand can get noticed these days in today's world of the cigar industry? Well, I'll tell you, it's a it's a super interesting question, and as you were kind of asking it, uh, it, it occurred to me how much it actually ties into um, most of the other com um, uh, kind of topics that we have here tonight, because uh, it, it is tougher now. You know, it's clearly so much. You know, uh, premium cigars has become a very saturated space. You have brands popping up all the time. You, uh, you know, the the uh, you know we've we've talked about this before. The barrier of entry is somewhat lower because contract. Uh, you know, third-party kind of manufacturing is such a prevalent element that's available to to brand owners to come in and make a really high-quality product and deliver a really high-quality brand without having to, you know, own the tobacco, own the factory, whatnot. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, in beer, I, you know, you guys know me, I, I relate everything back to my primary industry, which is beer. And, you know, we talked about that in beer for a lot of years as craft exploded, was that we were so afraid of the winification of beer and you know the wine industry is the perfect example of like the total and complete lack of brand loyalty to where people don't even know what they're buying most of the time they're just picking what they find to be the prettiest label in the section that's a, a varietal that they know that they like right and so um so it doesn't give you a lot of chance to brand build which is what we do in marketing right that's our primary goal is is to build a brand and build brand loyalty and equity with our consumers and so um so i think honestly uh because of where we are with the cigar industry you actually have a lot more brand loyalty and premium cigars certainly than wine and even in beer than now these days where so many people you know there's there's us and then there's most of the cigar smokers who smoke at the at the golf course and when they're playing poker with their buddies so the brands that they smoke are the brands that they can find at the golf pro shop and at bevmo and at total wine and what what not like that's i'm guessing what most smokers do not what we do where we geek out and follow every single limited release that comes out uh, but uh but that being said i think you know the quality though we talk all the time about right now is a great time to be a premium cigar smoker there's so much good quality cigars out there that 
I think if you can do enough just to get in front of the consumers and give them a try, there's a really high probability of some c consumer retention if you deliver a really high quality product. And so, um, so I think uh, sneak peek on some of my thoughts on the topics coming up. I think a gimmicky package can work if you're delivering on the product when once the consumer tries it. You just have to give someone a chance to try you. I think social media still is very relevant. The cigar community is very uh, Instagram uh, and, and Facebook heavy and focused. And so I think, um, but, but legitimacy of brands is something that I think consumers are worried about because so many little ones have just popped up. It's like, well, is that a good one or is that just another? So I think, you know, a collaboration, you know, going to another topic, you know, if I started a brand, I would go and try and get Ernie Carrillo to like do a collaboration with me and, and it would give enough legitimacy. All you guys would try the cigar at least once and then hope that I can just deliver on the brand promise after that. So um, I don't know if I answered the question. No, yeah, I think so. That's those are those are good topics or good thoughts. Uh, Robbie, your thoughts. Uh, you're also in the, the sort of the marketing side of things. What do you think about what Randy just said? Or if you were just a new brand, what sort of a strategy might you take? Well, Randy actually stole not only like my tagline, um, he also stole a bunch of my ideas. So I don't have anything to say. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm just kidding. It, it is, it, Randy, thank you for saying that. And I hope it catches on. This really is the best time to ever to be a cigar smoker. There's so many brands, there's so much <laughs> boob sell products. I was going to get into that. Hall of Famer Kevin Acuff chiming in with breasts. Um, uh, there's there's so many brands, and Randy, as you said, it is saturated. And I fought this battle uh, when I was with Mombacho, and it's it is it's a tough battle to fight. You have to be constantly active. I think print media, I think print media, as far as the 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 major like as far as like broad strokes, you can do it, and that's going to get you some good ratings and such. But I don't know how much that leads to sales. Being accessible being someone that people get to know. Look what Terrence is doing with, uh, with Aganorsa Leaf. He is, uh, he's out there every day, available online. You can see him, you can chat with him. He, uh, Coop, he was giving you crap about Kapler earlier today. Like that's how you build a, a fan base, this a loyal fan base. That's how you build that, there, yeah, best day of our lives. <laughs> that's how you build that brand loyalty. It's, I mean, what we're doing now, this, is common now to, you know, doing shows like this and having, you know, several people on your show to talk about things. And this is 309th episode of Smoke Night Live, I think. Um, so this is common now, but it wasn't common when we started. It's gotten to the point where Fuente even has their own show. I mean, there's a reason that they're doing this stuff. It's, it doesn't cost them anything. And it's probably the best return on investment that they can do other than doing like an event in store. In store events are still always going to be king, I think, and getting people out there to the shops and, coming in and mingling and get having an experience that they're going to remember. Uh, that's all going to trigger into that brand loyalty, but it all comes down to brand loyalty, right? And Randy, you made a fantastic point about uh, cigars are far more brand loyal. Cigar smokers are far more brand loyal than wine drinkers. And it's exactly how people buy wine, by the way, and, and beer drinkers. Beers, it, it's absolutely become the same way. And I found out I do the same thing. I walk down an aisle and I see all these brightly colored labels and like, Oh, well this one, Oh, this one's got uh, Jason Voorhees on it. I'm going to buy it, um, which will. Of course you would. Absolutely, I would. Which will. Thanks for that comment covering my face. Uh, this will dip into in the packaging, but it's it's such a tough, it's such a tough industry right now to break into and to find real lasting success. And someone said, you know, sponsoring on the Dojo Verse, having 
the badges like we talked about. You recently added All Saints cigars in the last few months since uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. That was the first time I met those guys. And I had never even really heard of them before. I never smoked their cigar before or really seen it anywhere before. And now I see all these people checking in because they buy it, they can get a badge. It's There's that collector mentality that you can tap into too. I could keep going for hours, but I'll stop now. It's, <laughs> it's really, really difficult. Um, and I think the, the, the online press, uh, the online push, you know, getting on Coop Show, getting on Smoke Night Live, uh, getting on Flavor Odyssey. Those are the ways that uh, that you're you're really connecting with your customer, and that builds that lasting experience that people want to have over and over again. Now, Nick, ending uh, up in one of Libretti's top five. Uh, Nick, you're in the uh, sort of the rare position where you're sort of uh, on the online uh, retailer side as well as the brick and mortar side. Uh, you got to see tons of brands coming in trying to get some attention in the industry. What are your thoughts on this topic? How does a new brand break through? So, I mean, listen, uh, Robin, you know, Randy made a lot of good points. Um, I think definitely 100% starts with the cigar, you know, either getting in with a good factory, having a good factory, having a good product. And then I really think that you have to build it from the ground up from a retail perspective. You have to go to brick and mortar stores. You have to just put them in people's hands, you know, ask them, hey, can I hand it out to the customers? Can I give them to you? Give them to the, to the store matters. Say, hey, try this. You know, I, I get text messages and instagrams and the jr account gets instagram messages from some random brand owners all the time but like we don't know who you are we've never heard of you like you don't you don't just try to shoot up the ladder and then hope that we're just going to bring in your random cigar we being you know the big guys on top we have to hear about things through word of mouth we have to hear people like oh have you heard about this cigar but a lot of people are smoking it in the you know in brick and mortars and a lot of people are talking about this on forums you have to build it literally from the ground up so once you have a good product you know obviously packaging like they said helps too and you get the buzz going in cigar shops and i'm not saying go to you know the casa de monte cristo stores you know a huge chain at first or going to ci or famous but go to some established cigar lounges talk to the managers there guys who have total control over their inventory so if they just want to bring in a couple boxes they can do that Start it there, and then you bring it up a level. Then you start putting it on Instagram. You start doing the right hashtags, getting it into some influencers' hands. Then that's when that that kind of brand buzz uh, starts to spread. But really, getting it into the hands of cigar smokers at the brick-and-mortar level, I think, is key. There's, I, I really can't think of a major brand that we brought in to online first that we didn't test out in the stores first. Mm, interesting. Now, I know Coop for, for sure... Uh, you you, you want to see you know uh, boobies with a cigar? No. I'm not gonna. I got two words for you guys. You're not doing a press release. Coop wants nothing to do with. It. Well, it's interesting you you said that. I'm gonna take a little different spin on that. So you know when I started doing this ten years ago, uh, what I noticed is there were a lot of companies that were the way they wanted to get noticed was to give me a cigar to review, right? And being new, you did that. And they got some pop, but let's be real. It didn't move the needle a lot. It gave them, uh, it gave them the 60 seconds of fame, you know what I mean, uh, uh, for a few days. And what happened is along the way is eventually it got to a point where I was fortunate enough to grow the site where, and I don't mean to sound mean, but I can't, I can't do that anymore, right? I really, because now readers are coming to read about something, you know, that has some legs, right? So that's not an approach I recommend doing is, is the review. And reviews that have a 
a higher cost to do, as everyone knows who's done reviews. So, you know, news is a great way to do it. News is a great way to do it. Um, and we just ask, you know, if you're a small company, guess what? Most likely you're going to have to reach out to me. Just, there's just too many of you small companies out there. I mean, I try to get to some of you guys at the show, but it, it's difficult. Even with that said, right, with the online media piece, and, and the, I agree with Nick on this. I believe it's really the grassroots piece that's key, right? So you look at, like, brands like Omar from Fratello, uh, Terrence, what he's been doing with Aganorsa, um, these road warrior type things, where they're in the shops. Because guess what? There's, there's only so much a retailer is going to listen to us as media. Um, and, and they have preconceived notions already that we're friends with these guys and we're trying to get the friends in there. So I really say it's up to the company. They, they have to be out there. They have to be visiting shops. They have to be doing events. If you can't do it because of COVID, you need to be doing virtual meetups or things like that. And then everything that we do is certainly icing on the cake and will help. I'm not saying it's, it's not important, but if, if you're just a fate, if your cigars just got Facebook popularity, I don't think your brand's got a lot of legs because ultimately it's the retailers that are putting that on the shelf. It's going to be key. And here's the thing, going back to what I do on Coop, the numbers show that, right? Because most of the traffic I get is from Google searches, not Facebook. So we, I have a much higher Google. So people are looking for this stuff and they try to see if they can find something on my site. Right. They're so not just following a Facebook. What you're yeah. saying, Coop, is, is kind of what we obviously at the dojo realize too is that um, we don't, we rarely review a cigar that doesn't already have some buzz. In fact, we never, exactly, exactly. We, we never review a cigar that doesn't have some buzz only because our job as reviewers, Jordan, and, and you can comment on this, Jordan, uh, probably more than anyways, are, he's the head editor of Cigar Dojo. It really gets down to why would we publish something that people don't want to read, right, Jordan? That's the problem, right? Yes. Exactly. Jordan, go ahead. Yeah. Well, well said. Jordan Gatorm said. Yes. <laughs> now, now there are exceptions to that. Okay. So there's a company like I, I just started covering called ATL Cigars. They're making products out of Aganor, sir, and they're making products with Luciano. There's some interest there because obviously those are factories that have some buzz. So sometimes I can make an exception for that, right? But you get, but you got to have some of the legs to do that. And you got to, you got to, you know, again, and, there, and that, that's a company that's out there working the Southeast really hard right now. Right. So, Mike, you know, I see them working hey, in the yeah. southeast. So it's, it was worth a shot to take a shot with some of those guys. Hey, Eric, I know you're you're coming to the end of this, but if I can just jump in and and like just um, I don't disagree in any way, but I do I do have a, a kind of a challenge to to the argument of building in brick and mortar. First and foremost, let me just say, there's no better brand building opportunity than brick and mortar. If you can get uh you you know the the tobacconists. On your, you know, to become fans of your brand, to to sell your brand for you, the becoming extension of your ambassador squad, your sales team, whatever you want to say. Like, there's no better way to build your brand than brick and mortar. I I, I would agree with that to an extent. Uh, being in sales for many years myself and having to try and sell brands, I've found so many retailers that their response is so driven by consumer demand. I haven't had a customer walk through my front door and ask for your brand. So why do I give a shit? Pardon, pardon my language. Uh, so so I, I think there, there is an argument um, that if uh, if you can create consumer demand through 
you know, digital media, through, you know, you know, other outlets like that, through getting covered on, on, on sites like Cigar Coop and Cigar Dojo, where, where consumers are walking into their local brick and mortar and saying, hey, have you heard of this brand? You guys carry this. Can you get this? That's going to be the easiest sales call you ever make because someone else made it for you. So I, I, I would just argue that you could actually build in brick and mortar through digital channels. I right. Guess. It kind of it, it sort of goes hand in hand. Right, Randy? Is that what you're saying? Like, uh, it, 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 it goes both ways. You know, if the, if the retailer right. has heard about this on social media, they might be more uh, brand aware and bring in the brand. Exactly. But if they haven't, they won't bring in the brand and therefore you don't get that. So it's sort of like it's like a hand in hand kind of uh, affair. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's an argument that there's a bit of that at, at the very least. Yeah, we don't have any calls I get from companies that are like, well, you, you didn't cover us, but but half wheel did. I said, yeah, they said, well, I said, why did why did you give the story to half wheel? And, and usually the answer is, well, they called us. I said, OK. But I didn't know about your product. How am I supposed to know about your product? <laughs> You're telling me that um, I didn't cover you, right? You gotta you, you reach out to me. You know, there are companies that do reach out to me and, and give me make the effort, and I'll kind of oblige with it. But if you're not reaching out to, to this, don't don't come get mad at me if you don't get the coverage. Now that's 100 percent true. Yeah. I'd chime in with one one quick comment, and cause I know we're going to run long here, but uh, ultimately you need to create brand allies. You need. You need shop owners who are your allies. You need to go in and you meet with the shop owners and you have to get out and go on the road and pound the pavement, cliche for a reason. Uh, you need consumer consumers who are your brand allies, whether that's they found it at a shop and you were at an event and you handed that cigar to them, because they'll never forget that. Whether it's me handing somebody the cigar or Jonathan Drew, you still remember that moment. Like, oh yeah, the first time I smoked this, so and so handed it exactly. to me. Exactly. Yeah. And that and that that Big sticks thing. in your mind. And that's you need to build. There's no one way to do it. That's the ultimate answer. Is mm -hmm. you have to build. You need retailers who are your allies. You need consumers who are your allies. And you need someone who is on your team who's willing to go out and put in the time to do it. Yep. Well said. Uh, all right. Let's. Um, uh, we're gonna have. Uh, we'll do one more topic. We'll do the commercial break, and then we'll do the um, the final three topics. So uh, can, I, can I just throw out real quick, Eric? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you could like sell that. That that could be a master class on how to uh, get noticed in the industry. I'm just, I just want to. <laughs> yeah, let's let's make let's put this behind the paywall, please. And I think we should all get. What do we got? How many here? We each get twenty percent. Right. It sounds about right. No, that's uh, no, that's true. There was so much good information there, and I think that I, actually, I think that the the, um, the the biggest, the, you know, the most important thing, obviously, is the the quality of the product. But what we were talking about during that whole discussion, and I didn't I didn't really comment that much. I kind of let you guys just take over that. But obviously, in this day and age, we're sort of in this cigar. It's like another cigar boom. But I consider this cigar boom like the quality cigar boom, like there's so many quality cigar products, like everybody is doing it out of these great factories. And so how do those, you know, like all of a sudden it's like if everything's bold, nothing's bold, right? Like if everybody's right, super, yeah. nobody's super. So you still have to find a way to claw your way to the surface be outside of having a quality product. And I think there was some really good, some really good information that uh, that you guys provided on that one. So we're going by age in this uh, topic, or, or going which is through why the, you went first. That's exactly right, because I'm <laughs> old. <laughs> but now we'll go to Coop uh, in the um, the uh, North Carolina bunker of the War Room. 
Coop, what is your topic for tonight? And then I'll com- uh, I'll comment last. We'll go by age. We'll, uh, Coop, you can bring up the topic. We'll go to uh, Robbie, Randy, and Nick, and then I'll I'll finish up. Coop, what is your topic for the war room tonight? The lousy job online media is doing with top twenty-five lists at the end of the year. <laughs> oh. <Jeez. laughs> So right. I'm taking a position here. Okay. Right. <laughs> look, look, we for many years have said cigar aficionados list is is horrible. It's not transparent, right? It's 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 based on advertising, blah blah blah. We as online media have not done any better job with this. And here's what I'm going to say: This is not the. I'll put myself into this category as well. There are mistakes that I I think I've made along the way that have led to this problem. Now, what are some of the problems I'm seeing out there to give you an idea of? This one year, this idea of a one-year window to review cigars doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, it's they need to be Vitola-based. I see like these these rankings and they're not Vitola-based. And then I'll pick up a Vitola and it's horrible. One's horrible and one's really good. Well, if one's horrible, it shouldn't be on the list, right? Um, I think reviewers, if you're a review site, you need to base your list on what you review. If if you're a review site, the list are very fired. yeah, the lists are sloppy. The, the lists are sloppy. I see incorrect names. I mean, it's just, come on, really? We can't get the name of a cigar right? And they need to be more transparent. They need to be more transparent. To Look, me, I'm, I, I, I struggle spelling sometimes, Coop. I tried to get the name right. I swear to God I did, but, you know, yeah, I just... Listen, I, see people, I, see peop, I see people, okay, complaining that their punch, list isn't shared. Yeah. <laughs> I see reviews that have an incorrect cigar name, and then these same people are complaining... I didn't get shared on social media. Well, because you didn't even have the name of the cigar right. I mean, come on. <laughs> we need to do a better job as online media. There's a lot of good guys in the media. Look, and there's not one answer to do it. I get it. And I get we all need to be different and have our own identity. But to me, there's a lot of things wrong right now with, with these lists. I mean, and I'm, I don't see them getting better. I see them getting worse every year. Now I'm I know. I'm trying to make my better. I don't even know if I have a problem. I'm gonna. I'll go to. I'll go to Robbie. Uh, Robbie, what do you think about what Coop just uh, stated? Uh, I, I, I love all of it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's tough because look, you're right. There's no such thing as a, a a year end list because no site is out there smoking every single thing that came out that year. They're not. They're, totally they're just not. not. They're so not. yeah, it, it all. All, it, it all has to be with how you position it, right? Like these are, you know, this is the best stuff that I smoke. Like if I, like back in the day when I did Robbie Raz reviews, I think I did a top 10 or something. Probably I'd have to go back and look. It's been a while, but uh, it was based on what I had smoked. And I, I, the one comment that I really, really liked that you made is that it does need to be Vitola based. And that's, I think, one, I think that's one thing that, especially nowadays, because I do think the bulk, well, I don't know if that's fair to say the bulk, but a, a lot of brands are getting the Vitolas are different experiences and you have if you look at Aganorsa some of their releases are just new Vitolas of blends that they've already done now I don't think there's anything wrong with that or that that's the right answer I'm just pointing that out right but if if I say hey this uh uh, you know whatever uh, whatever particular cigar is is my cigar of the year and I smoke the Robusto and then somebody smokes the Lonsdale they're going to have a different experience no matter how hard the blender tries to make it the same it's never going to be the same. It's so smoke, there's, yeah, there's and that. no one smokes every Vitola of all these cigars is what I'm kind yeah, of getting at. Absolutely. So yeah. maybe, 
We just get rid of year-end lists altogether. <laughs> no, there's too oh. much. There's too. No, well, you're right, Rob, because no one cares about them. It's the other thing we hear, right? Uh, yeah. Well, which we well, know is bullshit. I, which we know I, is complete I love BS. That, I, I love that Robbie go. had all those words to say, and in the end was just like, like, like so get off my lawn. Just, 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 just kill it. Just kill it. here. This is the war room. My numbers in December will suffer because it's one of the most red months. That's that's true. There's 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 a lot of things out there that people don't care about. Coop. I don't think this is one of them. Uh, but I mean, how do you fix it? I don't know. I mean, there's there's no governing body over uh, online media that says we all have to follow the same rules. It's my site. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. And if you want to tell me that I need to do something else, you can go somewhere else. Well, uh, I'm not going to use colorful language, but I, I understand. It, I, I, understand. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you fix it. I do agree that there's a lot of things wrong, but I also like the idea of hey, uh, there's people that, as a consumer, there's people that have a site that. Hey, this guy reviews stuff, and I tend to align with his palate. I like what he likes, or I like what she likes. So I know that if she says, "Hey, this is the best cigar of the year," then well, you know, damn it, I'm going to give that cigar a shot if I've never had it. So there's 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 a responsibility to be honest with what you're right. doing, transparency, like you said, and to be uh, as as true to your word as you possibly can be. But I think it's as far as we can really. We can really ask of most of these people who are doing websites because, like, you know, you're doing this on your own dime. Nobody's making much money off this stuff. Some people are, and, and God bless them. But a lot of people are just doing it because they like to do it. Uh, but as a consumer, part of it is, well, this guy says it was number one, so I need to smoke it. I, maybe you can, you know, use some of your own personal better judgment. Uh, I don't know if I really answered the question, but those are my feelings. See, I say this, though, because I care because I walk into a booth at the trade show this year. And every rating up there was from a print magazine. When, you know, I, I know that this company's had a lot of top 10 cigars from the online media and stuff like that, but every one of those was a print magazine thing. And I look at that and I say, you know what? I didn't like it, but at the same time, we haven't done a good job, in my opinion. And, and, and I think there's things we need to fix, and maybe someday that will happen, but, you know, but right now it's not. And I think there's, there's things that need to be cleaned up about these lists before it happens. All right, Randy, you're a you're a big consumer guy. Uh, I know that you yeah, you follow every list, every show, every single thing online about cigars. Uh, what do you think? Uh, my my the following comments are not going to be well viewed <laughs> by this panel. Um, this does uh, not cigar dojo does not condone or endorse yeah. the following comments. Exactly, I'm going to off script a little bit because. Um, well, first of all, as I as I always like to say, I'm, I'm much newer to the industry than anybody else here. So I have a I, I feel like I just have a little bit uh, of a different view. I do feel like I have more of a consumer view, um, and I think you guys all take this all way too seriously. Mm. Uh, is 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 the is the really like short condensed version uh. of my thoughts, um, and and I'll tell you and I'll tell you why. And and I've got to do this. I've, I I have anytime I'm on the, with the Brady, I think this is the second or third time I've got to throw out there that it's a perfect example because Nick Libretti was actually the first review, like person that talked about flavor that I found on YouTube that I followed on the reg. And I found that we had similar palettes and similar likes. And when he said something was really good uh, and I bought it, I was never disappointed. Right. And so I think that's a big part of the 
um, more novice con uh, cigar consumer experience is just trying to find someone that, that, that will lead them. Again, as we talked about before, it's a very saturated market. It can be very intimidating for people. You know, I, I make this analogy all the time in beer. You go into, a, you, you know, you, you like Blue Moon. You've had a couple other local beers that you liked, but you're not too sure. You don't know too much about beer. And you go into a yard house. And there's 55 handles of craft brands you've never seen before. Great and nine times, nine times out of 10, if your server doesn't give you a recommendation, you go, I'll take the Stella. And that's just freaking sad, man, because you were so intimidated by the lineup that you just took the thing that you you were sure you weren't going to embarrass yourself with and you were going to be able to drink mm, and enjoy. Interesting. And so... Uh, so for me, uh, I actually, you know, five or six years ago, getting into cigars before I met all you guys and I learned some things, um, it lists guided a lot of my consumer behavior and habits. And I think, you know, to your general cigar nerd like we all are, the lists are somewhat meaningless maybe they validate our own opinions but we probably got our hands on most of those cigars because we're in the mix and we, we're in the know and we know what's coming out um but for for your person that's just interested in cigars who by the way all of us or make money on this industry should want to incubate people that just have a slight interest to to be welcomed in and find a soft landing and, and be welcomed into this community um they're just looking for some direction uh, and, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm just going to throw out there, of course, I'm biased, but I really do. Like, I gravitate towards Cigar Dojo um, because I was a fan of, of their content and how they did things. I like that it's that they separate uh, limited versus, your, uh, you know, regular production. I like that it's a smaller list because they're not just trying to throw kudos to the guys at the end of the list. If there wasn't really 25 cigars that are really worth standing on the top of the mountain and, and cheering for, Um and, and, and so for me, you know, I, the list season comes out as my is, you know, I got to apologize to my wife and, and my CPA because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's what I go crazy. Right. Because if you guys all say, Coop, if you say Saga is number one, I never would have bought a Saga cigar had you not called it number one. You know, Nicola Bretti, had you not said, said these are the five top baller cigars. Love that. Love that you came up with that concept, by the way. Uh, I wouldn't have bought all those cigars. But, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm paying $30 to stick. This guy says they're the top five baller cigars there are. You know, and, and, and so I, I don't know. To me, I think we all, like, really grind over the, the fairness and what's appropriate and timing and this and that. Ultimately, cigar consumers just want a guide of, hey, if you're interested in cigars, here's 25 that won't let you down. Uh, and, and, and you can feel like you're in the mix. So to me, I think they're great. I love the lists. I love that there's variation between them. I love that there's debates between them. And just that this could be such a hot topic that everyone like battles over shows that they're working and that they're important in our industry. So that, that's, I think I'm done. The only <laughs> rule that we should all abide by, you know, you can, everyone can, every site can come up with their own rules. But I think the only real rule is the cigar should come out in that year. If you're doing a 2020. Uh -oh. Cigars of the Year list. Oh. They should come out in 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. that's the only rule that matters. Street, Jordan, battle, battle, battle. I actually, I actually disagree with almost every single thing Coop said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 
don't throw the movie thing at me because the movie thing doesn't apply to cigars. The, uh, everyone throws the movie thing at me with the that. movie thing. The, 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 <laughs> everyone says, "Oh, but movie, we don't do movies. Movies stand the test of time. Cigars don't." Some do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, before we go to commercial break, Nick, you have not commented on this. Nick, what are your what are your thoughts before uh, Jordan and Coop getting a fight in the war room? No, it's all good. I mean, I, I don't want to fight in here. This is the war room. And see them go at it. But um, <laughs> first of all, I want to say, Randy, to thank you for your uh, your kind words. Um, listen, our YouTube page. That's all I can speak to specifically is like how we handle top 25s or our top five lists. I have been very clear for the better part of a decade on how I do these reviews, and I say that these reviews are. This is what Nick likes. I'm not telling you this is the best and you can't buy anything else. I'm not telling you these other cigars suck. I'm like, hey, here's what I like. Give it a shot. If you like it too, then we're, you know, we're, we're, we're connected there. That's why we don't even call our top 25 of the year. We don't call it the JR Cigar top 25. We call it Nick and Greg's top 25. Now it's going to be Nick and Chris. This is just, these are the ones that we prefer and that we liked, and our number one, well, we have two criteria. Obviously, we have to sell them. Um, that's our biggest criteria. And number two, we rate our top 25 not on like, like oh, but this one had the best packaging, but this one had the best price. We, it's very, very simple. What did we smoke the most of this year? With all the variety that we have upstairs in our studio, what did we just keep going back to when we didn't have to for a review or for an interview? What are the cigars that we're just like, oh, I'm going to go have lunch and have a cigar. What am I grabbing? And that's how we make ours. Um, and we just try to keep it simple. I feel like there is so much, you know, everyone's kind of got a different rule for how they're, how they're handling the top 25s. Like, for example, Half Wheel, I kind of like how, like, they had three Tatawahes on there last year. Because, like, oh, all right, the, yeah, they're, they're playing their rules. Out of all the cigars they smoked, these three Tatawahes were three of the best. I, I like that, you know, um, the abiding to only cigars released that year. There's a part of me that is like, uh, it, it should be like maybe more recent. Like, cause the fact that the Padron 26, although I love the Padron 26 and I smoke a ton of them has been like a top five for aficionado for like 20 years, <laughs> or, you know, like, like 15 straight years. Nothing's come close. Nothing. You're telling me in all those and all that time, nothing has has rivaled that. I just find it a little. And there was never an off year where Padron like, oh, the crop wasn't good this year. So like, you know, maybe a little. You know, again, that's but that's their preference. That's how they have their tasting rules and their reviews. But I don't know. Overall, I I am on board for top 25s. I I like them. I read all everyone. I get excited. You know, when they all come out, coops, dojos, half wheels, whoever's. Um, but I do think that we, their number one thing, transparency, like what, what Coop said, show the people how you're coming up with this decision. Is it, you're having a algorithm and this is how we rate everything. And this is how we get the number or is like, Hey, this is just what we really like this year. And we're just going to tell you. So a little transparency, yeah. I think would go a long way. Yeah. Nick, and I got to give you credit, man, for a retailer, you've done one of the best jobs out there. You Thank have been you. very honest. You have been very honest on your role there. I mean, I remember you said, hey, look, I work for JRD, so we're going to review stuff that, or we're going to put top 25 that, that we sell. And obviously there's stuff that we smoke that's our stuff. You've been very transparent on that. And, and I, I can tell you, that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really appreciate Coop, that. Coop, coming from you, that, that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. No problem. And All I'm right. critical no of other integrity. retailers. That's why. 
Yeah. I have no integrity unlike you, <laughs> and I agree. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's this huge asterisk that you make really apparent, and then you're so genuine after that that no yeah. one really cares about the asterisk, in my opinion. All right, boys. Uh, this has gone way longer than I uh, planned, but that's okay. Uh, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get to, <laughs> we gotta get to Robbie's because Robbie is on a time limit. So uh, let's uh, take a commercial break, folks. This show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories, which I just bought some. Uh, this year, JR is celebrating their 50th anniversary. They will be celebrating all year long with amazing promotions, contests, sweepstakes, and several limited-run projects with some of your favorite manufacturers. i got to pick up that uh, Herrera SLE next week when it comes out. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, join JR in celebrating 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. This is episode 307 of Smoke Night Live. We are doing the Cigar Industry War Room. We have uh, a whole panel of experts. Each expert has brought with them a topic that they would like to discuss. We are about halfway through the topics. We had a warm-up topic. We went to uh, my topic, then Coop's. Let's get to Robbie Rat. We're going by age. So, uh, Robbie, you are next up. Uh, what is your topic that you would like to discuss in tonight's cigar industry war room? A couple things before I get into it. I'm glad that since we're going by age, I'm going this late in the show. And I also <laughs> would like to say that, Eric, if we threw a hat on you, you would be going just before Nick because you look younger than all of us. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I, I have to make up for all my what are the 70s like comments because I, I, I could ask Coop what the 70s were like, but I, I don't always do that. I always ask you. You want uh, me to okay. tell you? I, can... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, one day I do want to talk to you about like the son of Sam and what what that was all about. We've had little. little I'd love to talk to you about that, yeah. Li little topics. Now, yeah, Robbie, you, you, you realize that Coop has an entire uh, spreadsheet of every Flintstones episode. And how they rank, so that should show you where he oh, sits wow. on those. Yeah. From, Absolutely. And moonlighting, by the way. <laughs> See, that's what we need a top twenty-five of. We need a top twenty-five Flintstones. Yes. Oh, I'm in there. Oh, I love it. Moonlighting, a closet Sybil Shepherd uh, uh, fan yeah. we have over here. Um, it was Sybil Shepherd, right? Yeah. So. That's, no, uh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I said the wrong one. Uh, you were talking. No, I know you were. You were talking about the honeymooners. Honeymooners. I meant honeymooners. Uh, That's there my there you go. There you go. <laughs> to, the, to the moon. Yeah, I'll, I'll to take the moon. some early Bruce Willis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Back in the it was good times. Okay, to jump into my topic. So I want to talk about not just uh, that we have gimmicky packaging listed as, as my topic, but it goes a little deeper than that. It's not just gimmicky packaging. It's this, uh, this kind of that's actually become a very blatant uh, copyright infringement that has uh, – kind of run rampant. Oh, look at Coop shaking his head. I love that. That's that's kind of run rampant a little bit in this industry over the last few years. And Randy, you and I have both seen it in the beer industry as well. And so this, it's funny that I'm smoking the creature because you could really say that maybe Pete Johnson kind of started all of this with, you know, with the Monster Series. And but I, one thing I would say is that he doesn't necessarily steal the names completely. It's more of an illusion too. So there's a bit of a caveat there. But there's, I mean, the the uh, the Cinnabon cigar, it was Cigarbon, I think, was that was the one that really got my attention, and it, it got me paying attention to this. And there's some, and it tends to be smaller companies or, uh, you know, um, uh, cigar of the month clubs that are doing specific cigars for them. Uh, Ezra Zion is one of the the, the biggest uh, the biggest uh, what's the word I would use? Here? Offenders. 
Offenders, thank you. Uh, perpetrators, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they're, they, you know, they've got the root beer one that sticks out. It looked exactly like uh, A&W root beer. Uh, I think I saw one that was, like, they, they literally just took a, a screenshot of a, an ugly Christmas sweater that was Star Wars themed that you could buy. I think I might even have it. And they just put their name on it. And it's, it's, I, my question is, do you think that A, that's a good tactic? And B, do you think this is good for the industry, especially when we're under such a microscope uh, by the FDA? I mean, it, it kind of flies under the radar because most of these are really small runs. They sell out in a day or so because it's only like five or 600 cigars and then they're gone. And then, oh, by then it's like, oh, you know, it's better to ask for uh, forgiveness than, or beg for forgiveness yep. and ask for permission. Uh, I, that's, I, I've, I'm not a big subscriber to that. Uh, but I don't want to give my opinion. I want to hear your opinion. All right. So, uh, so to get the opinions, let's first go to the studio audience because we have Scott is just waving, flailing, flailing his arms like that he wants to get in on this. Scott, uh, I just wanted before the answers came out, I wanted to actually take the time for everybody in Cigar Dojo and thank Robbie Raz for his time with Cigar Dojo <laughs> and wish him well on his next endeavor. <laughs> All right. So, um, well. Uh, are you guys familiar yes, with? Yes, the uh, dojo Chico does fall under. The are you guys? And it does. It does. Are you guys familiar uh, he's with? Got it in his hand. <laughs> but, it, but exactly, I, I'm now, talking about now. There's, there's companies that do this, like and Dojo did it, and I, I'm not making any excuses, and I, I didn't gain or lose anything from that release. Go ahead, Jordan. Are you guys familiar <laughs> with parody law? Right. So what? there's a clear difference between copyright infringement and parody oh. law, which is why, which is what allows Weird Al to do what Weird Al does, right? So copyright infringement, would, there, there might be a company that has a very specific font, and you, and you use that same font without acknowledging that you are intentionally using that font to pay homage to the company. That would be copyright infringement. When you uh, go a step further and make it very clear that you are intentionally parroting the product, that is an entirely different thing. Now, uh, yeah, good, good, good comment, Jordan. Thank you for that. Now, I will say this, Robbie. Um, Dojo Chico did not fly under the radar. <laughs> so I can, I can affirm to you that it did not fly under the radar. And, uh, but everything's cool. Uh, as I've affirmed with the, uh, the Coca-Cola company that we will not do this anymore. And I also, I, I also told them... Please just just continue to produce tasty mineral water for the for the love of God. Please just do that. Now, I'm going to show a couple of examples uh, of things that we can talk about. Uh, this is uh, 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 recently released from uh, two guys. It's a candy bar. Now, this is this doesn't get on the copyright infringement. But it does yeah, get a little bit. That's a little bit of a different style. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Right. There, there's there's a couple different aspects here. Right. It's, it's like that looks like a chocolate bar. So who are we actually marketing that to? That becomes a bigger question, right? Right. And right. I'm not necessarily focusing on whether it's it really is copyright infringement or not. The legalities. There's loopholes everywhere. But is is it good for the industry as a whole? Given given where we stand right is, so is, is kind of the crux of my argument there yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go first on this one um so here's this uh one that looks like a candy bar and it's very well done by the way um we did one a few years ago with moya ruiz that looked like a game this is the uh, chinese finger trap this happens to be number two we did a number one 
Um, Pete beat the shit out of me over Right. It. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. And so did I covered it. Pete Johnson wasn't happy about it either. But then we also did one that mocked these, which was called The Gimmick. And we just sort of made a, uh, a fun play on these whole ideas. This was like a 3D. You got 3D glasses with it. We did this with Lost and Found. So here's my take, uh, Robbie. My take is this, that for number one, we should not be worried about this as far as it goes with the FDA. No other comp no other industry is. Um, you'll see all kinds of crazy beer things. It's fun. Um, as long as it's not an ongoing product and it's a, a sort of a parody, I'm 100% behind this. I think this is what makes the industry fun. I like it. I hope that we do more of it. I don't care what the FDA thinks. Uh, if you give away this, this is more of the camel's nose under the tent sort of a situation. And um, I say, you know, as, as, long as, as long as you're not actually, like Jordan said, you know, stepping on copyright on a long-term sort of basis. Like if, you were, if we were to make a, a, a Topo Chico cigar, an actual Topo Chico cigar, and think of it as like a normal ongoing product, that would be wrong. But uh, this is more of a, an homage, a parody of this, of this product, and it's fun and interesting. Uh, let's go to Nick uh, Labritti. Now, Nick, you see all kinds of stuff coming through JR Cigars. What are your thoughts on what, uh, what Robbie said and his topic? Well, uh, the legality portion of it, I mean, that's, like you guys said, there's a bunch of different loopholes you can get through. What is parody? What are, are people saying is parody just so they can, you know, use the Coca-Cola logo? Um, I, I like fun packaging. I still, to this day, and I, I've said this a lot, think that the pork tenderloin from Tatawahe is one of the coolest packagings I've ever seen in the industry. I think he absolutely nailed it with that one. But... Again, like like we were talking about with you know kind of brand building, it comes back to the cigar. Are you you are you putting this cigar in a you know an ammo box, which we do sell by the way, uh, because it's crap, and this is your way of hiding? Oh well, they'll they'll like mm. that it's in an ammo box, or they'll like that it's in a, a tennis ball tube. Great point. Um, Great point. You mm -hmm. know, or or is it just is it adding to the story? And I think that there's a big difference in that. Now also. Going back to the FDA point, yeah, I think we should be a little careful packaging cigars like in a baby bottle or like as diapers or as a <laughs> bar of chocolate. I think, you know, there's there's times to be appropriate. For example, and I'm not we sell these, so I'm not trying to and, and I smoked one the other day and I thought that they were very, very good. This thing that punch is doing personally, I'm not the biggest fan of. Wait, is that, the, you're talking about the chop suey? The chop suey, the kung pao, the egg roll, which are three Chinese foods. And a bento box. And then the sampler was the bento box, which is Japanese. <laughs> mm. Which really... Because everyone knows that kids are drawn to Chinese food. <laughs> no, like, I'm just saying... Like, that's they just, can't get enough of it! That's just kind of like somebody on the marketing team was just like, oh yeah, put them all together, like, and then we'll call it this other thing. Like, it, was, it, wasn't, like, they wasn't done well. It wasn't it, well thought out. Yeah, and it was a little, almost a little too gimmicky. If you find a cool thing and you like, you just nail it. Like I think the monsters from the get go, he just Perfect crushed exam. it. From you know the the coffin boxes to even the mummy one, how it was a sarcophagus to the names and the bands and and also the blends are fantastic. I feel like that is an example of if you do this right and you cover your ass, you know, make sure you you're alluding to things and not calling it you know the outright name and also. The cigar is a banger. The packaging is a banger. I, I'm 100% I'm for it. 
Uh, now, before I get to Randy, I got to say I just fired up uh, one from the the candy bar. Uh, this is a uh, Aladino Corojo, and it is delicious. And I thought the packaging so it is just like a regular Aladino. It so is. Like- it's like a box pressed Aladino Corojo. I love the packaging. I love the cigar. It's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm 100 for. What do you think, Randy? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I got a couple uh, a couple things I can chip in with here. Um, so so first and foremost, obviously, you know, both Robbie and and, and Nick have uh, have brought up other wrinkles that I think honestly need to be just separate ar- arguments. Copyright infringement, I'm super 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 against. I'm very biased. Uh, I work for a company that's big enough. We'd always be on the radar. We can't do anything like that. And so, to me, honestly, when the little guys, um, you know, we got a local brand. Hell, I'm just, we're, we're throwing fire tonight, right? I got a local brand of beer that has a, a General Mills release line where they do fruity pebbles and they do like, and they literally just like mimic entirely. It's not parody. It's mimicking. Uh, existing packaging that is very well known. It's uh, it's trading on brand that is, recognition. That is parody. It's trading on brand recognition. <laughs> that's what that's parody tough is. for someone. Okay, that's fine. But for someone in my position who has to like try and, and work to develop brand recognition from scratch, it's it's a it's a it's a major you know uh, you know issue for me that someone can just go trade on some bigger name and get more buzz um and it's illegal and eventually they'll get a cease and desist and they'll move on and no harm no foul that bugs me but that's obviously again i said that's my bias as a marketing guy i i freaking hate that um uh that being said i love the parody law comment jordan that was that was actually a, a really nice addition to this conversation and then uh but but to to uh, Master Sensei's point, I think uh, I think those are two great ones to 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 look at. If you're just looking at just gimmicks, um, if you're not copyright infringing, if you're not marketing to uh, a demographic that is legally shouldn't be you know exposed mm-hmm. to your product, those those are big no nos for me. Um, right. Outside of that, if you're just looking at just straight gimmicks, you look at the Chinese finger trap, you look at monsters. I think um, it's not a gimmick. If it's a brilliant marketing strategy, it's not so a gimmick you, if it works. Right? If it's a strategic yeah. thematic release like Monsters, where he's not copyright infringing, there there's some parody elements there. There's some inferences uh, there, but it's this brilliant, you, you know, product line and theme, uh, and and even the the Chinese finger trap. That one was almost an eye roll for me when I first heard about it until I heard people talk about the cigar. And I found out that everybody thought it was a phenomenal cigar. So again, like we were talking about how to like notice in whatever saturated industry you're in. I think if you come up with some marketing strategy to just get people to give you a chance and then you deliver on that brand promise and you deliver an outrageous cigar that people are going to love. And yeah, maybe you had to cut a little, some quarters and wave a a goofy, um, uh, you know, Acme flag to get people to try it the first time. But all you needed was that sample, you know, uh, chance and people will come back again. If it's a great cigar and you used it as a marketing strategy to get people to give it a try because you knew they'd love it. I think it's brilliant. If it's, well, people only care about that because it's a freaking gimmick. The product really isn't that high quality. It's not worth writing home. If it was in a brown paper bag, no one would give two dams about it. Um, 
then then it, that's what a gimmick is to me is, is if people only talk about it because of your packaging right, right. Or, or because of the, 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 the other elements in the halo around your product but don't actually talk about your product that's what a gimmick is to me it's like people don't even like the product they just like the idea of right. ordering things with that name because it, it'll get a chuckle from their buddies at the bar you know uh but, I I think I think Randy, you you really are you're on tonight. Like I think that's you, you kind of you, you nailed it. You made some good points there. Yeah, but I, I think the, the underlying point of everything that you said was that as long as it works, it's okay. Right. Right. Like as it's, long as it yeah. as long as the cigar is good and people get excited about it, then it's fine, and you know the rest of it be damned. I, and now to be clear, I'm not taking one side or the other. I just thought this would be an interesting topic to discuss. I'm really curious to hear what uh, Colonel Coop has to say. <laughs> Colonel Coop! I love, I love that's that's a thing now. We that, that needs to be a dojo release, Colonel Coop. Uh, yeah, he's got to have a big mustache. Yes. Yeah, I'm curious to, to hear what uh, what Coop has to say about this. Yeah, and just so you know, the Weird Al thing is a little more complicated. You you are correct on the parody piece, but there are other complications with that with still using it, which causes problems. Um, and I could, that would, that's another topic. Okay. Do you think but, weird Al should be able to do what he does? Um, no. Wow. No, but, but most, think, no, but I can you tell you this, the airplane should have been produced. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm going to, here's where I'm going to Do gonna you think SNL this, should okay? exist? <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. Okay. Weird Al has in most cases, from what I understand, uh, because again, my dad has got permission dad, for that type my of dad stuff, is, right? Yes, my dad drove. My dad was Weird Al's driver several times. He, he knows he knows more of the executives that manage Weird Al than, than Weird Al. But from what I understand, Weird Al always sought the permission. If this was such an innocent thing, okay, why not just call up Cinnabon? Why not call up uh, uh, Topo Chico, Coca Cola, and say, "Hey, we're going to do this. You guys okay with this?" Because parody right? law what, exists, so, you don't have to. It's lazy marketing is the other thing I was going to say. Now, okay? you don't, you rem- don't you remember? Uh, I love it. I love it. You guys have created such cre- I'm smoking this psychedelic turtle. I love the creativity you guys put into that, right? I love the creativity you put into all these dojo releases. There's just some – you guys are creative, creative geniuses. You didn't need to go down that route. <laughs> I, I don't understand why you guys went down that route. And I don't think it's good for the industry. I think it makes us look look, look clownish in a lot of ways, right? I look at what Pravada's doing. It's an embarrassment, what I see them doing, right? And, and they know exactly what they're doing. They, they send the cigars to the retailers, right? And they tell the retailers, don't put it up till a certain time. And then they hope the retailers will sell it out real quick. So it just it just kind of wipes itself and goes away. I don't, I don't like that. I don't see why, why we need to do it. Pravada's creating such a movement that they say, do do. Then use it. Use the creative juices you have. Don't put Sesame Street characters on cigars. I don't know what you're doing putting Sesame Street characters. On now, cigars. Coop, uh, just real quick, I appreciate the the comment. I, I love you too, and I, I love do. you too, guys. Just don't get me wrong. I no, I know. Too. I don't. Hey, I don't care yeah. that I, yeah. I believe me. I love to talk about this stuff. That's the fun of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, this particular release, this is the one I'm smoking now, the cigar bar. Um, right. This does not fall into the whole parody thing or copyright issue. There's nothing right. there that falls into that. What do you think of this? So th- this is a product that just looks like, you know, like a candy bar. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I know, look so there's a little history with that one. Do you know a little bit of history with that? Yeah, they, like that initial, was, initially they had to take it off because it looked too much like a Hershey bar. Yeah, it looked like a Hershey bar, and, and obviously they didn't appreciate the parody, and the lawyers found, obviously thought there was some reason to. Um, 
look, I don't think that's the way they needed to go with this either. Okay, I don't, I don't agree with, I don't agree with it. Um, it's not as egregious, like I said, as like a provider who's doing it time and time again. You guys did it one time. I, I get that, right? But Provada's trying to build a whole marketing model on this, and right. you know they've done it with several other things, right? So I, I don't see why if you build and Ezra Zion's doing it time and time again, right? The excuses I want to have fun is only so much before it's now you're trying to you're trying to clearly make it a part of your business model, and that right. that's where I have the problem. Like I said, I wouldn't have gone down the chocolate bar route. That's just me personally, but I don't think this is. I'm going more to what Rob said. There's this marketing going on right now. It's just, to me, there's so much creativity that this could be being put towards. I don't know. And I got to be honest, I didn't get the whole Topo Chico thing with you guys. I know you guys like it, but I, I didn't get how it's this movement. I got to be completely honest with you. But I don't get, I don't get Alan Rubin's connection with it either. And I was, I'm going to be honest, I was surprised they did it too. I was really surprised that they did it. So, I mean, would, would, if I if I create um, Dojo Coop or something like that using your logo, you're gonna tell me you, I, you'd have no problem with that. I, I don't have to ask you guys. I'll just go create that, right? I'll create a whole new website called Dojo Coop, right? Well, well no, then they'll just send Randy to your address. And you <laughs> won't want that. I would never do that. I would never do that without asking some permission on that, right? But Randy would ac would actually show up at your house. That's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. Now no, here's no, the other no, thing. Let me see the other thing. You've made some great points and it's, it's funny. Like I, I find myself going back and forth and I waffle on this because when Eric told us about Dojo Chico, I thought, Oh my God, that's absolutely perfect. And I, 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 I don't necessarily have a problem with it because it's not, I don't think it's, it's not the Dojo marketing model. This, this was, that's what yeah, I was saying too. It was, yeah, there's, no. there's some other fun stuff that the dojo has done, but you've also done the gimmick, which I thought was brilliant. Right, that was brilliant. I thought that was it's brilliant. Brilliant. Loved idea. it. Loved it. And, and when in, in craft beer, I've done this myself with the brewery that I was at right. where we would do, uh, we called our, our IPAs were brother or sister something. So I would for last year, or two years ago, uh, for October, we did brother Jason and brother Freddie. And it was, they were it was clear what we were referencing. The 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 monk had a little uh, mask, a, a dojo mask, or not a dojo mask, a, uh, a hockey a hockey, mask. A, a hockey uh, mask that he was pulling off, and and the other one he had a, a glove on. So it's obvious what we're doing, but we weren't. It, it was more akin to what Pete did with the monsters. So it's it's interesting that there's such a fine line That's between the two. the difference right there. Is 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 it obvious? Like, you, it was yeah. obvious that you were paying homage to that thing. You're not ripping it off. You're paying homage. If it's, right. Well, yes, but but at the same time we're paying homage. But I'm also thinking, well, this is going to sell. So there's 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 two sides of it. And, and Coop, you said that it's lazy marketing. I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's in certain like, I, I think the the uh, the Aladino example is perfect. I don't think they needed to do that because that cigar on its own has already been very successful, and it's a box press version. And why not just come up with a box press version? Maybe it doesn't it doesn't have as much pop right off the bat. But it's a it's a, a Vitola that's going to last, and th I don't think they needed to do it. So th there's a weird there's a weird difference between companies that don't necessarily need to do it that are doing it, and companies like Ezra Zion, and I'm picking on them because they do it a lot. They and, do it a lot, yeah. But it's it's kind of like that's their marketing plan, and so I think that's that's the difference is where you're you're you, you know you can say you're paying homage, but really it's like I, I know I'm going to be able to sell these quick, so legally. I can, I'm fine, but 
the the idea behind it is a little sketchy. So, like I said, I, I'm on both sides, really. I can, some of them work to me and some of them don't. But, like, I mean, I mean to me, the dojo, dojo Chico, and Eric, we've talked about this, and I told you we'd talk about this during the show. It was a little, I, I loved the idea, and then it looks exactly like the label is a little too much for me, personally. <laughs> but, 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 but at the same time, it, it's gone now, it's never going to come back, right. and that's it. So it's 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 fun. And, it was and, it was an event uh, cigar. Yeah, and it's, it's event based exactly. So there's 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 all kinds of caveats, and this is a we could talk about this for an hour and a half probably, but uh, I, I I love the comments that I've gotten from everybody. I think this was this is a, this is, it's just an interesting topic, and I, I know that uh, I just think that given the microscope that we're under as an industry, uh, pressing those boundaries. When, when, Pete <laughs> initially, when, when Pete initially did it, there was, you know, nobody's pressing, no, no one's paying attention. Nobody really cared. And and now it's gotten to the point where this has been around so long that it's not even, it doesn't even move the needle from an FDA standpoint. It's like, oh, wait, hey, wait a second. What are these guys doing? No, they've been doing it for 10 years. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't do the same thing. But with a Pravada doing the, they did the, the, the Cinnabon one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, and I think that's the one that really kind of pushed this into. It, it made it a topic. So there's, I think there's, there's a line, and and some it's been crossed probably too more, too much more than it should have been. Yeah, but Rob, I also get what they're doing here, right? Let's be real. What sure. Cigars are, okay? They're not like concept to store things, okay? They're sure. cigars that are excess cigars in the factory or maybe alternate runs of blends that have been done, and they're trying to get a creative way to bring them to market. It's it's so a way I can find a cheap cigar that's already right. made, and I know I can sell it. Yes, that's what that's, this is. Like, maybe that would have been a better and, way to and, line and, the and, top. And that's what yeah. But when you read Ezra Zion, they're using, you know, 20-year-old aged tobacco, you know, secret stashes, and that's where it just, then that goes way over the top. I mean, it's like, come on. Agreed. Yeah, for three, you're, you're you're spending all this on a 300 cigar run. Yeah, okay. All right, let's uh, let's move on. That was uh, that was awesome. You can't fight yeah. in here. This is the war room. That was an amazing topic. Uh, I didn't let's... get thrown off the show, so that was good. No, of course uh, not. Rob, Rob, Rob <laughs> took the bullet. I, I'll, I'll let you guys know later if I got fired. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, Rob. <laughs> Coop, Coop, I wouldn't. Oh, look at look at Coop is like ready to swoop. I wouldn't. I, love it. I wouldn't want Coop on the show if you didn't have some some good no. takes. I and love look, it. And, I love, and you, know, I love you guys, and I have a lot of respect. <laughs> um, it, we could disagree on one, but you guys have done an amazing job overall. So I don't want to take that away. I just uh, and, and Coop, Coop yeah. you're the reason I brought up this topic because you, you and I did talk like, about. It. You and I did talk a little. We've about talked it. about this many times. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan, have, Jordan yeah. did you have a final something that you were going to say right there, or no? No. Okay, uh, let's move on to Randy because he's forty-two years old. Uh, Randy in the uh... <laughs> I was not made aware that our ages were going to be bubbling. <laughs> Randy, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Randy is vaccinated. He's forty-two years old. Uh, <laughs> he's an Aquarius. I, uh, I, I, li I, I like. Uh, I like. I like. I like nature, like hikes, you know, yeah. the beach. Like long like... walks on the beach and the Elmo cigars. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, Randy, uh, your topic is one that I think I find to be also another one that is a very interesting topic. Why don't you go ahead and lay it out for us in the war room? We have two topics left. All right, yeah. So, uh, so we were talking about uh, things that uh you know we we ponder about and there's a, a release recently that that uh, newly sparked this for me there's something we talk about um uh, in my job at my company a lot and it's collaborations 
And, you know, the, the term collaboration is uh, virtually buzzworthy on its own. People do a lot of collaborations and they mean a lot of different things. And so I, I, I wanted to uh, you know, have an open forum discussion about, you know, what makes a legitimate collaboration? What is a collaboration that should should move the needle uh, versus should get a freaking eye roll? And, and I know what should happen isn't necessarily what always happens, but it's important to me because I do it for a living. And, uh, and I think a lot about collaborations. I work in an industry where collaborations are even more uh, common and, and, and uh, you know, standard business practices than, uh, than in the cigar industry. But it is very, very prevalent in the cigar industry, whether it be between two different brands or a blender and a brand. And so... Uh, so I'm supposed to let them talk. I can't just now. Take I'll take I'll take over, Randy. Minutes. I'll I'll take I'll take over, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'll make a couple comments, and I'm gonna send it to Nick, uh, mainly because uh, Nick has had a whole year long uh, of collaborations that he's been doing. So so here's here's why this topic is interesting, uh, in my opinion, and that is. You know, theoretically, you could say that any brand that has a cigar made at another factory is a collaboration. And they but, do that too much. But what Randy is asking is, is that really a collaboration if there's no collaborative effort going on? Now, I know as far as the dojo goes, we've really never done a collaboration where we haven't either directed the brand uh, or, or like picked the blends or helped make the blends or given something of the dojo to to that product like we've we've literally yeah. you know been you know in the heat of the battle for for what that brand was actually going to be like whether it be marketing whether it be the taste or flavor of the cigar um, or both uh, theoretically both so that's, I think that's where, where Randy's getting at this. Like, what makes a true collaboration? Like, let's... Yes, yeah, is every La Roma de Cuba cigar a collaboration? No, they just get their cigars made at my father. Right. So that, that, right. that that's... Jordan just put a really fine point on that. Now, so, so Nick, like that, yeah. uh, when two companies say, or three even, uh, sometimes it's three, um, this is a collaboration... To you, what what really is a collaboration? Like, how much of each company needs to be involved for it to to theoretically be like a, a legitimate collaboration? Well, I think that we need to define. You know, is it a collaboration truly, or is it a, is it being marketed as a collaboration? So, for example, whatever John Huber, you know, whatever he's working on for Crown Heads. He builds us as collaborations. Las, you know, Las Calaveras is a collaboration with my father. La Coalition is a collaboration with Drew Estate. I know John is heavily involved in those projects. Obviously, they're, they're his brands. Um, but they also kind of build as collaborations. Now, Nick does the same thing with where he makes, you know, Wawense or where he makes Tabernacle. But those aren't built as collaborations. Those are just built as, right. oh, these are Nick's cigars. He's just doing it at this facility. So I think that's that brings up the exact question that, that we're asking here. What qualifies as that? I I don't know. I, I think not just utilizing somebody's facility, but taking an active hand in the making of the cigar. So mm. what John does. Um, so, like, that's why John and, you know, um, Picardo or Pichardo, I can never pronounce it right is a collaboration because 
John has his ideas, and then they work together to come to an endpoint. Whereas when Dion is making a cigar at Aganorsa, or Nick is making something, or Steve's making something at at Naxa, they're just I'm just using your facility as a playground, but like this is, and, and I'm using your tobacco, but I'm making this on my own. I'm blending it on my own. I'm testing everything on my own. This is not a collaboration where we're both kind of like having ideas and throwing it back and forth. This is my project. I'm just using your facilities. So I think that in my mind would be the big difference. What I would actually really like to see, and I'm trying to think, correct me if I'm wrong, if we've had this before, is a collaboration between two factories where, oh, well, it's using AJ's wrapper, but you know, mm, right. somebody else's mm. filler and binder, and it's being it's, you know it's being made at Pichardo, but it's using a wrapper from AJ Fernandez or something. They, they right. did that. They actually did that with the uh, with the San Latano that they did. This yeah, conversation, but it's, market, but it's not market that way. It was. It was. They actually, when they announced it, uh, AJ brought the Nicaraguan tobacco, and Hochi Blanco bought the Dominican tobacco, but they just used Hochi's factory to make it. Oh, okay. Now, oh, now that's, that's, right. very, that's very rare that you see that, by the way. Yeah. Now, Robbie, yeah. this this really gets into how uh, a lot of beer companies collaborate. They'll they'll like really really collaborate in 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 the way that Nick just described, in that you know both both parties are bringing something that they're good at to the table uh, as that collaboration. Like it's a real true collaboration, right? Yeah, and, and Randy, you can speak on this too. But uh, the experience that I've had with collaborations, and I've worked at uh, you know smaller local breweries, uh, where it's you know for example, when I was at uh, Laughing Monk, we did a collaboration with uh, Federation Brewing, which is in Oakland, and our head brewer, uh, he went over to their facility and they brewed a beer and they did everything together, and then when it was released, it's on tap at their facility because there's rules. Uh, as far as uh, how things can be distributed in beer, more so than there are in uh, in cigars. So if they've got something that's, if it's a if it's a draft only collaboration, it can only be on draft at the place where it was created and at their locations. Uh, it can, and Randy, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the way that I've always understood it. So the way that it had worked that I've seen is, you know, our guy, our our head brewer would go to their facility, we'd brew something there, and it's a collaboration between the two. And if it's, let's just say, it's only going to draft, it's on draft at their locations and through their re- their retailers. And then, you know, maybe six, a couple months later, their head brewer would come to our facility, and it's kind of like a give and take kind of thing. Um, and if it's going to be something that's produced and goes in cans and it's got both the logos on there and that kind of thing. So maybe it's usually a smaller brewery that's going to work with a larger brewery to get they get a little more uh, uh, recognition, I think, to be associated with like if Laughing Monk, small brewery, goes and does something with Sierra Nevada, for example. Uh, it's it becomes a, it's a big thing for the smaller brewery to be associated with that larger brewery. Now, to take that and to translate it into cigar terms, it's. You know, it's uh, let's pick somebody. Give me a name of a small company. Uh, Roma Craft. Well, well, smaller. Let's say Patina because it's a company that I know. All right. Let's say that that uh, Patina goes to let's uh, let's use uh, and they go to Aganorsa to uh, to produce a specific cigar. Now maybe that becomes a collaboration. Maybe it's just that that particular cigar was made at this factory. It's it, it's weird in cigars how they talk about collaborations, right? It's not always, most people, if you're a brand owner, you're collaborating with somebody 
because you don't have a factory. You're not growing the tobacco. So it's a collaboration between a couple of different uh, companies, regardless of whether you position it that way or market it that way. Right. Uh, in, in beer, it's a little bit different because there are some rules, at least in California, uh, for smaller breweries. And that's what I uh, have experience with. Um, to me, I, you know, it doesn't really move the needle for me. So I don't know if I'm the best person to ask about, you know, should, should they really be collaborations? Like, should every a Dunbarton cigar that's produced at uh, Hoya's factory be a, a collaboration between Dunbarton and Hoya? That's a good question. I, I don't really know if, if, if well, that's the way it should be or needs to be or if there need to be rules about that or, or, or what. I'm disappointed that Randy popped off. Where'd he go? This is his, uh, I was going to say. I, I think he, he lost his connection. I think, that's a unique difference between the two industries is in the beer world, every, every beer is a brewery. Right, so not necessarily. You, you I mean, have, almost, you have, right? You have, like, they're, they're, I know well, they're there's, a, as, there's as gypsies. gypsies, yeah, but that's that's yeah, almost yeah. nothing. In cigar yes, world, but some of these companies are huge. In though, cigar and they get, world, they get, every, you know, most of the brands are th- that. That's the opposite, right? Like, all, mm-hmm. al- almost none. Right. Of, uh, you know, only a small percentage of the brands are are the factory and the brand at the same time. Agnor's Leaf, whatever. Uh, in the brewery, see, in in the beer world, that they're almost all the factories, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it really is. It's, you're absolutely right. And so it's, it's an interesting topic. Uh, there are no sort of regulations in the cigar industry that I know about that says, Hey, if, and, and that's going to be dependent on your agreement with the factory that's making your cigars, right? If you're a brand owner, let's say. So I know there's some brand owners that, that can't actually even say where their cigars are made. It's part of their agreement. It depends on what their contracts are. So, it's, it's an interesting topic. I think uh, Randy's coming from it, and I don't want to speak for him, but he's coming from it. He's coming. He's looking at it from a beer perspective. And in the cigar world, collaborations kind of mean a different thing. And you, you rarely hear about big names anyway that are teaming up with each other. La Coalition is one of the ones that pops into mind because – Crowned Heads, relatively large company. Drew Estate, gigantic company. So, you know, have those two work together. It's it's a benefit for, it's really, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? It's a benefit for the for a Drew Estate to say that, hey, we're, st- we're, we're big, but we're still working with companies that are still considered craft. I think, uh, I, I don't know if you'd still, if people still consider Drew Estate craft or not. That's everybody's own definition. But um, I think that's where we run into the muck here is there's so many, there's so much gray well, area here, between here, what's here, what. Here's the interesting thing about this is that it's almost like it depends on if you want to actually put some like parameters on this, you have to almost take it to uh, the the realm of art. What is art? Uh, art can be anything. Uh, art is art when somebody declares something art. And so it's, art. it's like why yeah. is why is the Buck Island? With uh, Crown Heads and Drew Estate, not a collaboration, but the La Coalition is a collaboration. Well, because they said it was a collaboration. Why is mm. why is this thing art and that thing's not? Well, because I said this is art. That's you know. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's that's an interesting point. And uh, Randy, I, I want you to chime back in because I, I was I was not speaking for you, but I felt like you brought this topic up because the because of the differences between um, the cigar industry and the beer industry as far as collaborations are concerned. Is that correct? Well, I mean, uh, I, I draw my, 
my conclusions from my experience in both beer and, and cigars. And honestly, I brought it up because I, I feel like things are built as collaborations for marketing reasons that don't necessarily uh, hold the spirit of a collaboration. I'm mm, kind of, I'm kind of literal in the way I, I think of things and, uh, and a collaborative thing. And so and, uh, one more time, Eric, we're just naming brands willy nilly. Like we don't care. Right. Sure. I'll, yep. You say whatever you want. So, so we, uh, I just got to make sure I don't get canceled here, guys. Uh, so, uh, so join me. It's fun. <laughs> it literally came up for me because of, uh, of something that's near and dear to my heart that punch is doing a collaboration beer, uh, collaboration cigar with cigar city Maduro. And they've actually logo on the box. And it's the hero of the package and their own punch brand is actually secondary. And so, it just reminds me, you know, it's one of the things, and I, I know I always end up sounding like a homer and biased towards Cigar Dojo, but I, I like what Cigar Dojo does. It's why I'm here. Um, you know, a collaboration with a beer and a cigar was a great example was set by Cigar Dojo with Imperial Stout released with Camacho, right? They literally went to a local brewery near them. They found a bourbon barrel-aged stout barrel that they were able to send to the Dominican Republic. Honduras. Have tobacco aged in that <laughs> barrel and then rolled, right? Like, talk about a collaboration. I mean, both parties have brought something to the table in a very meaningful way that affects the final product that the consumer will try. Uh, using someone's logo, you know, we refer to it as IP, their international, uh, their um, their intellectual intellectual property of, of all words I can't remember uh, intellectual property, <laughs> um, and and you know we do that as a company. I do that as a marketing manager. I work with companies where we let them use our logo and we co-brand a thing. But co-branding and collaborating are two very different things in my mind. And I think a lot of co-branded, uh, you know, efforts are marketed as collaborations. You guys brought up some great examples of, uh, of contract uh, situations where some are collaborative, some, some are, you know, that's just my, that's just my manufacturing plant. Like, why would I give them the credit? I, I blended the cigar. Um, so I don't know. To, to me, it's, it's, it's something that, that is way too loosely thrown around. Something that I've experienced in my career um, is, you know, you know, identify what each component is bringing. You know, when, when as a brewery we partnered with a coffee company they specially roasted a coffee that would match the flavor profile of our beer but and so we felt like it was a collaboration because they did something out of the norm that they've never done before in this lighter roast because it worked better with the with the final recipe but um but where where to me the rubber kind of meets the road is like when you look at the benefits we like to think about punching up to our collaborator rather than punching laterally or down we're two breweries or two cigar companies coming together to you know blend a cigar where you don't know where one side started one side stopped is somewhat irrelevant in my mind i mean i guess you can get some marketing buzz out of it but like for us when we mark when we collaborated with a uh, coffee company their press team was sending our press release out to out to magazines we'd never heard of before coffee industry magazines they had a whole demographic that our brand was now being introduced to that was transformative for our brand you know and coffee is the second most drunk uh beverage in in the world after tea and to think that uh you know a little san francisco based you know craft beer brand is going to be introduced to 
coffee drinkers of one of the bigger national brands was a big deal. But again, it wouldn't have been a true collaboration. It would have just been a co-branding if they hadn't really done something unique and special for um, the roasting and, and the delivery of, of the coffee beans that we used in the beer. And so like when I, when I read the, the press release from Punch um, and from Cigar City and read their, their, um, their quotes, they're claiming that the cigar was blended to pair well with the beer. Well, one could argue a beer called Maduro out of, out of Tampa Bay from a brewery called Cigar City was brewed intentionally to pair well with cigars. So to then reverse engineer it and, and blend the cigar to the beer, I, I don't know. To me, that's not very collaborative. You're mean this like this element of your brand to the equation that stands out. You know, if two IPA breweries partner together and make an IPA, how do I know that you know that that's any different than either one of them would have made on their own? Where if a Belgian brewery partnered with a, a lager house and they made a Belgian lager, now that's compelling to me. Now you've you've innovated. And innovation to me is 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 where is where I draw the line. Is this an innovative package or is this a way just to write the coattails of a different brand? Um, and there's been some great examples in cigars, in my experience, that have been fun collaborations. When you when you look at uh, when you look at Warzone for Espinosa, I mean, and you've got to throw around some weight and be able to buy some Cameroon wrapper to be able to access that that wrapper. So that was something that General brought to the equation that Espinosa wouldn't have had access to otherwise. That's very good. Uh, uh, let's let let's let Coop have a uh, have a say in this. We haven't got to Coop yet Coop's on still on on the collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> Coop? Uh, all right. Let me kind of just start this off by saying, you know, we've heard the collaboration thing in other genres. And the one that comes to mind where we think of collaboration in my book is music. Okay? So when we see, and we see a lot of musical collaborations, you know, like when Elton John and Leon Russell get together, they make an album, they write the music, they write the lyrics, they have a common producer, they're going to distribute it under a, a common label. Um, that's what we would call a true collaboration. Now, there are artists in the music industry that will use, like, maybe a studio. Like, someone maybe goes up to Prince's Paisley Park studio and uses it. That's not a collaboration. It's not called a collaboration by any means. It's, it's still a, a business relationship. Maybe it's kind of going a little out of the box. But when we take that music definition of collaboration with it, where the two artists are rolling up their sleeves, and then we go to the cigar industry, and I'm talking about to create the actual product. There's right. not a lot of that that goes on in the cigar industry. There's not a lot of two cigar makers are, are getting into a, a war room, right? Rolling up their sleeves, hand-selecting. You can't fight in here. This is the war room. It rarely happens, right? I think I can think of two big examples. There's probably about two that come to mind are, are Casa Magna with Placencia and Casada. And then uh, we just mentioned uh, Hochi Blanco and AJ, AJ Fernandez. All these other things are not in that category. Maybe the Car I don't know yet what the Carlito Fuente one's going to be. I, I think, you know, there's going to be some synergies with that. But I, I don't think Carlito and George Padron are sitting in a factory. They're, they're kind of off each making their cigar. So we just don't have a lot of that in the cigar industry. But we've marketed it under this term collaboration. And, you know, like I said, I look at the music industry, and it's, it's, that's not the case. So if we're going to call it that, that's fine. Um, I don't have a problem because... Like I said, there are people bringing things to the table. I mean, you, you mentioned the dojo team with the marketing. You know, you guys have gone above and beyond for some of these 
for the marketing for a lot of these companies and retailers. I mean, so certainly you guys are a big part of that project. That shouldn't be dis dismissed. But I think we just got to just accept the fact for what it is. There's not a lot of this, like, the two artists getting together and creating creating the blend. It, it just it doesn't happen. Um, I, I see a lot of people saying they're partnering with AJ. You know, maybe Raphael Nodal is in the factory more than some of the other folks. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that. But there's a lot of people. AJ's not letting him not letting him in the room to blend this stuff. I mean, I, I, I got to be honest with you, okay? Maybe he's giving you samples and, and you're giving input back. That's it. That's not important. But again, you're not. It's not AJ and person X rolling up their sleeves and building that building well, this end product. Coop, you're, pro so, you're, you're probably wait, right, I, but it's it's hard in the cigar realm because with music, it's obvious. Like. You have this guy singing, and you have this guy singing. Uh, you yeah. can tell what it, it, they both it, did. Yeah. With cigars, you say uh, Raphael Nodell, he he uh, helped choose the blend, and you say, man, he probably didn't. You know, like yeah. you you're just dismissing <laughs> that yourself. Like it might have happened. It's just kind of well. I know, I know, I know. I've I've actually talked to Raphael. I know Raphael does go into the factory though a lot. So and he's he's more hand. There are some guys who are collaborating who haven't even stepped foot in the factory in the last two years. And we know that, well, it's, right? it's But it's funny, though. Like, So based, by, by your definition of collaboration, Coop, none of the Cigar Dojo blends are collaborations. They're not, but they are partners. You know, again, I don't have a better word for it either, okay? But yeah, I don't no, it's, but it's, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. though. And that's yeah, kind of my yeah. point. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's no, kind of okay. my point is, does it really matter? Now, Randy, you're talking about very specific examples of if a, a, a Belgian brewery and a lager brewery come together to make a Belgian lager. Sure, that's 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 more pure. And, but I think we're kind of getting more lost. compelling. Would be my argument. Yeah. More compelling to you, but maybe not to the general customer. Yeah. I think we're kind of getting lost in the weeds here. Of sure. yeah, we see we see behind the curtain more than most people. So, but but do most but does the general consumer really care if someone says, "Hey, you know, this brewery is, is collaborating with this brewery," uh, and, and like Randy said, you, it's it's all about gaining access to another demographic. Right. That's if if I'm making a, if I'm collaborating with anybody, I'm getting something out of it. I'm not doing it as a favor, and maybe sometimes I am because you have naked pictures of me or whatever. But I, most of the time. <laughs> It's I'm doing it for a benefit of my company. So it's if if I'm if I'm crowned heads, we'll use them as an example. And I'm and I'm collaborating with Drew Estate because I think that's that's probably one of the most pure uh, ideas of a collaboration. Did Willie Brent blend that cigar? Probably. He probably blended the whole thing and he sent a couple to John. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just guessing. John will but, tell you he's not a blender. John, and, John wasn't and, in the factory. John will tell you he's, he's yeah. a brand owner, and that's yeah. exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. He's, he went. He worked with Drew Estate to do this blend, and it turned out to be a great blend. It was super successful, and everybody wins because people who are smoking this cigar, some people call it a Drew Estate cigar. Some people call it a, a crowned head cigar. But the point is the people who are smoking their cigars are now smoking the other company's cigars, yeah. And, right. and it's 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 very symbiotic. I think the symbiosis is the base of this argument as to whether it, it is a collaboration or not. Eh, who really cares? In, I mean, we're in getting, the end, it, it, yeah, in, in the end, so I don't have a better word. But. Randy, I know you care, and and and, and, and Coop, you're right. Maybe there is a better term than collaboration, but right. ultimately, it's 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 two companies getting together for the benefit of each other. All right, there yeah. we go. I think yeah. that's a good yeah. way to put it. Uh, let's <laughs> let's jump to our final topic of the night. Our good buddy, 
Nick Labretti, way up somewhere in the northeast in a forest. There's probably there's probably Sasquatch running around. We don't know. Uh, very very near to Crystal Lake from what uh, Camp Crystal Lake from what yeah. I understand. Now now Nick, I I know for a fact that this particular topic could come as a surprise uh, that there would even be an argument on your final topic, but go ahead and um, present the topic for us and we'll debate it. Well, I just want to say that what I what I think is interesting about the topic that I ended up randomly picking is that all the other topics we talked about tonight are very kind of industry heavy about the kind of wheelings and dealings and how to do this with your brand, or whatever. This is the only like cigar related topic. And I, I, I just found it weird that I'm, I'm usually the, you know, marketing idiot guy. Like, oh, I want to talk about silly things, but here's like the, the cigar one, which I, I, I think you guys are all going to know more about this than I am. Um, is bloom real? Hmm. So bloom or plume. This has been an industry thing for since I've been in it, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard about it. Um, and to give a quick overview to any of the viewers out there, it's been long stated that when a cigar is perfectly aged and humidified, typically in a dark place, maybe you know specifically uh, tubes, or just in a, in a closed box for a while, a crystalline powdery substance will form, and it's the oils um, and a lot of the impurities kind of rising to the top. Uh, of the cigar and it can be easily wiped away and then once i kind of got into the excuse me the marketing part of the industry and and not just in the retail i started getting on the cigar forums and i've seen a ton of customers basically call bs on this mm. and say no plume isn't real it's mold and it's just a way for retailers to sell you uh, moldy cigars. Now, I always thought that, no, that's not true. Plume is real, et cetera. And then kind of when I mentioned this to Eric, he's like, oh, did you see that article by the Australian scientists? And I'm like, no, but I, I probably should. Um, so I went and I read it and they did like a whole, you know, they had, they took 10 cigars that people had sent them that supposedly had a uh, bloom on it. They sent it to a lab and it actually came back as four different variations of mold. So that kind of swayed me the other way. I'm like, mm, oh, maybe it is BS. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to text Nick Melillo because for <laughs> me, he is he is my be-all and end-all. And I just said, Nick, is Plume real? And he said, yes. Interesting. So I opened it, I opened it up to the war room. All right, so in the war room, uh, so here's the thing. Um Let's, 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 this is a tip. This is a tough topic, right? Cause it would be easy just to dismiss this super easy and just say, now, oh, first of all, we should say when you, when you go into the retailer and it's growing on the, and they tell you it's plume and it's growing on the box for sure. That's mold for sure. <laughs> like, I think we can all agree that if it's, that on, happens, if, they do that all the time. Yeah. If it's on the shelf or if it's on the box, there's no way in the world that that is anything but mold. But, Right. I have seen examples. I have a, um, to this day, I have an Opus X in my, uh, hum one of my humidors, the one Opus X that to me, it looks like it is a, a perfect sheen on the tobacco of, of what appears to be, it doesn't, you can't really see spots. You can't really see anything. Mm -hmm. It just looks like it's changed the color of, of the leaf a little bit. Like it's made it, 
a almost a clay. You guys know what you know, like a clay type of surface that does look a bit like something else other than mold. Now, I've read the article. Obviously, I, I sent the article to, to Nick to talk about this. And these guys have a standing offer that you can send them any cigar that you think actually has plume on it. And they will look at it under a, a micron, you know, uh, a super... Uh, and there's like a reward. Like, if yeah. anybody actually sends them plume, they'll like there's some sort of a reward. They'll give them like $500. There's never been... A reward because it's always mold. So now, if you guys are watching on Facebook, like this, this, I'm, we're going to go through the, the the panel, the war room panel, and, and get everybody's opinion. But this is one where I'd really love to hear your guys' thoughts as the Facebook viewers of the show as to what you think. Now, I would also say this: it, unless it's just like green mold or something, you smoke the cigar. Like, of course, you know, smoke it, have fun with it. It's probably super good. Um, my gut reaction after reading the the entire article uh, would be to disagree with Nick Melillo. And I've disagreed with Nick Melillo on other topics, too. I love Nick. He's one of my best friends, right, in the industry. But I've, I, even the ones that looked like real plume under a, uh, a microscope, like a super high-powered microscope, it, it, eventually they've determined that this is... That this is some type of mold. Now, I'm going to go to, to Coop first. I don't know, Coop, how much you've read about this or have thoughts about this. But, Coop, what are your thoughts? I mean, because this is one of those things. It's the holy grail, right? Right, Coop? Like, you get a, a really good cigar with plume on it. It's the holy grail. So it's either the holy grail or it has mold on it. Coop, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've kind of always been in that camp with the article that it's it's mold, right? Now, there, I don't know if there's good molds and you know, bad molds, right? <laughs> and I can't tell the difference. But something, something's happening on that cigar chemically, right? Something like a spore or something's coming on that cigar. You walk a plume or whatever. That's that. That's fine. But um, I've just always been gun shy about if 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 I have a question, I'm just not going to smoke it. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, and I just you know, obviously there's the, the cases where it's growing on your humidor, and that's a huge problem. But um, I've been in the camp. I, I believe in most of these cases, it, it's mold, um, and it's it's natural. These you know these are natural products that could happen, right? Um, so I used to be in the, I you know, and a lot of these cigars with the plume. I know it's the holy grail, but sometimes I've smoked them and they're disappointments too. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just me or whatever. But I've had a couple that are, are exceptional too. Now, so, Coop, Coop, real I, quick, just I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a uh, a cigar lounge, uh, humidor, walk-in humidor, and you've had a a, a guy there telling you uh, this th- this is plume, brother? Like this is the holy grail of cigars, and in your mind you're just like, no, nah, dude, there's no what, no what, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not even going there. It's like you, you, you couldn't you couldn't sell it to me, right? Uh, are you going to let me actually touch the cigar and stuff? You're not going to let me touch it or anything either. Nor would I, if I was a retailer, I don't know if I'd want someone touching the cigar. So, uh, no, it, it's, I've seen it, and it's not going to sell me, unfortunately. Um, and I maybe miss, you know, and I do, look, I've had cigars aging in my humidors for 10, 11 years, and I don't have anything on them, right? So, you know, but occasionally, the ones I get them on are coffins and tubes. Oh, yeah. those, are, those are notorious, like. And it's 
And what is it all? It's that is always mold that's happening. And, and you think about it, it's in a dark, it's dark, right? And some of the moisture is getting trapped in there. So, it, it, you know, and you can look at it and say, oh, I got some plume in that cough. No, it's, it's something is triggering that stuff. And I think it's the dark and the moisture doing that. All right, Robbie, let's go to you, Robbie, on this one. Um, you've been in the cigar business as long as I've been in. Uh, what are your thoughts on this topic? Uh, it's mold, man. I, you know, I, I've been to, I, I've been to, I, I'm not a scientist. You know, I may look like one and I play one on TV, but, but I, I am, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I, I, and maybe there is some sort of different crystalline thing that happens. I, I will say right now I have cigars in my humidor, uh, probably that do have mold on them. And when I see them, I take them out and, I, and nine times out of 10, they're Cuban. I don't know what that's about, but that's maybe another topic. <laughs> But uh, they're probably fake. But you know, Coop's right. When anytime I do see it, it is in a tubo. Uh, but I do have some that they get this kind of sheen to them, uh, and, and I know it's because they're they're definitely older cigars. Uh, but at the same time, I agree with Coop. I'm afraid to smoke them. So you know, if if there's a cigar that's got mold on it and it's on the outside and you can rub it off. Uh, like you said, Eric, just smoke it. If it's in the foot, that's a different story. If it's in the foot, I'm tossing it. I'm not going to smoke it. Um, but I have probably more cigars than I could smoke in a lifetime. But I don't think that uh, – I, I think it's mold. I just – it's 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 the same argument that, you know, guys post these pictures online. Is it real or is it fake? And it's usually about Cubans. Um, but uh, I, I tend to think that it's – that cigar is probably past its prime, and you should uh, smoke it before it gets to that point. Um, with that being said, I do need to run because I have a, a prior commitment. So one thing I want to say to, to Nick, I don't know if you're frozen or if you just hold that position really, really <laughs> He's holding no, I'm just, he's I'm, holding. Like a, I'm like a ninja. Yeah. I'm also very cold. Yeah, you, you hold that position, man. Uh, Nick, you have one of the greatest names in the industry and one of the best voices. Very, very well done, my friend. Great genes. Well done. Coop, always a pleasure. Yep. Randy, Randy, you know you're one of my favorites to poke fun at. Uh, Eric, I think, again, if we were going by age just by visually, we still wouldn't have haven't gotten to your topic yet. You, uh, I don't know what it is. It's it's that Norwegian and Italian blood, man. Yes. It's me. Yes. And, uh, and Jordan, what, uh, I'm glad that you got a free cigar to smoke before the show. <laughs> yeah. Alright. See you, Robbie. Uh, we'll let, we'll, by the way, at the end of the show, we'll talk about Flavor Odyssey. We'll let, we'll let Randy talk about that. Uh, Randy, now, you're somewhat new to the Cigar business. So I wanna, we don't care what no, you have to say no, about I wanna, this one. No, I think this is <laughs> even kidding. more. This is even more interesting because he he may be, you know, still going through some of these things. Now I know Randy, you've probably had a million guys tell you this or tell you that about plume and 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 this and that. What are your thoughts, Randy, as a five six year down the line, you know, cigar smoker? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be short and, and concise. Um, I, I think it's crazy that science hasn't been able to just solve this. Why well, I don't know why this is a debate <laughs> at all. Um, but uh, that that being said, I'm a strong believer that both exist. That bloom bloom is a real thing, and that 99.9 percent .9 of the time that you tell yourself it's bloom, it's mold. Um, if, it, if it's in a tubo and it's in a common, it's mold. Um, and I have been at a retailer that tried to convince me like a ridiculous mold um, colony <laughs> yeah. was plume. Um, but but there are some visual uh, like I, I do know a little bit about microflora. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the spots. That's a dead giveaway. That's how um, mold bacteria's 
and uh, uh, colonize. And so if there's like specific dots, that's always bold. Um, I would argue that, you know, I mean, even the cigars that we buy that are that were sold are have this sheen and this oil. Only about 10% of the time, in my experience, are they really that shiny? Are they really that sheeny? Um, so I think there is a small amount of high um, oil um, extruding blends. Uh, it can crystallize on the outside, but I. W but here's my second hot take. They both exist. It's always mold that you've experienced. And uh, my other hot take is actually that uh, that there that there's no holy grail about it. If it has crystallized, if plume is real and it has grown, that's an extraction of flavor from the cigar that has now exited the tobacco and is no longer as available to smoke. And so. Um, if you did find plume, I would argue that it's probably well, well past its prime, and the flavor has been uh, degraded significantly um, wow. because that... the, the oils, instead of burning, have crystallized and, and kind of become oxidized and, and not available anymore. That's an interesting take. Like it, you, it's sort of like uh, if it's in the beer, it's in the beer, right? If it's in the cigar, it's either in the cigar or it's on the outside of the cigar, like. Um, you know, would it make a difference if the oils right. were in the cigar or if the oils were crystallized on the outside of the cigar? That would be something that, uh, you know, scientists would have to pick. Now, I will right. say this. I think the forum um, is, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Friends of Habanos. Friends of Habanos. They are mm -hmm. in, they are in um, Australia. Australia. And if you want to look this up, you can search that. You can search... Like, is Plume real? And, and then search Friends of Habanos. It's super interesting because they do take it on under a micron, you know, microscope, and they really look at these things close up. I don't know the answer, um, Nick. I mean, my gut tells me that in some way or another it's mold. Although I will say this. I, like I said, to start this uh, topic out, I do have this one Opus X. <laughs> I do have this. I do have this one Opus X that I'm. You gotta send it in. Eh? I know. I like. I. I want to smoke it though. I don't. I mean, it looks really. <laughs> I'm. I'm not a. I'm no scientist, nor will I ever claim to be. But uh, so the only the only thing I have to not detract from the article from Australia is that they did it on ten cigars for a. A true scientific sampling, it's got to be like ten thousand cigars. That's that's a good point. Even, even considered like 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 even a theory, you can't just do it on. And also, they like Rob said before, they were all Cuban, which I think we all know in terms of quality and how they're kept. And there's been some issues there. True. Um, that being said, I think there might be a mix of both. What if plume is a type of harmless mm. mold that does right. form under the right conditions? And if you can wipe it away, hey, it's just this, you know, because I don't, I don't think there's going to be a scientific name for plume. I think it's kind of a thing that naturally happened in factories in the last century. And this is just kind of what the manufacturers have called it. And this is this is how they explain it. But I'm sure there is a scientific name for what's going on. We just don't know what it is yet. So maybe yeah. it is a form of a mold, but it's harmless and it just shows that this cigar was perf perfectly held. Right. So Now, before we uh, wrap up, Jordan, uh, I know you have some thoughts on this one. Why don't you go well, ahead? Well, I, I kind of agree with what Nick was just saying there. Like, maybe it's just a, a different type of mold that's 
uh, you know, not a gross mold that's forming these, you know, disgusting lumps, but it's just a nice sheen. Um, but at the same time, I've never, I mean, we've all been involved in cigars for quite a while, and I've smoked some of those, and they don't taste any better. Uh, I've never no. met somebody that smoked one that had plume, and it was significantly better. What I don't understand the, what you know, there's some, there's not some, that might have been a nice magical budge, buzzword in the 90s or something, but at this point, there's there's nothing really to it. Um, I've to combat the Nick Melillo, I've talked to Klaus Kellner, and he said that he doesn't think it exists. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, at the IPCPR one time, um, we were hanging out with one of us, a somewhat respectable cigar manufacturer that w- said, hey, here's here's some samples that have uh, plume on them. And we were like, well, this is, this is clearly mold. And he said, yeah, I know. It's the same thing. Mm. I know the one you're talking about, which we won't mention. No. Right. Interesting. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's go through the the line here. I really want to know who it is. Nah, yeah, I, we'll tell you after the show. Um, we'll tell you after the show because I don't want to embarrass him or anything. Like, um, no, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, uh, Coop. Uh, the, for the folks, by the way, first of all, thanks for everybody joining us. Uh, episode three hundred and seven, Smoke Night Live, the War Room. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know I I did. Um, Coop. Uh, tell people what's coming up on Coop. Where can they find you? Where can they watch you? What's going on on uh, cigar-coop.com? Yeah, and you can find everything on cigar-coop.com, as well as um, you know you can find our you know all of our podcasts, um, our videos as well uh, are accessible there. Uh, but you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Cigar Underscore Coop, or our new Smoking Syndicate channel where we do our video reviews. Um, and then, of course, you can find us on your podcast catchers, and yeah, on Facebook too. Uh, we actually have a couple of there's a couple of things I do want to mention. Uh, we're in the home stretch of reviews on Coop right now because uh, the deadline for the reviews to be submitted for Cigar of the Year is on the 31st. So everything has to be published by the 31st. So there's going to be a lot of reviews on Coop. But I do want to mention we do have someone very special coming on primetime on Thursday, the 28th. And I think Nick may know this guy, uh, Brad Winstead, who is the CEO of oh, Casa yeah. Monte Cristo. Oh, yep. Brad's great. Brad's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, I know Brad was my Brad was my my local guy for a long time here in Charlotte. So oh yeah, uh, Brad's I remember fantastic. He, yeah. yeah, I mean, he is fantastic. If you don't know Brad, you're gonna. I actually interviewed Brad once several years ago when he did the project with Raphael Nodal, um, and I'm really excited to talk to him about everything going on at the Casa de Monte Cristo stuff. So you guys won't want to miss that. All right, very cool. Um, Nick, what's going on with uh, JR Cigars? Uh, I know you've already kind of uh, you, you've already kind of let us know a little bit about the Harass Lee coming out this week, and that's got me excited. That's the one I, I've got to get my hands on. Now you guys have been doing stuff all year long, Davidoff, uh, El Wince, and whatnot. Um, just tell tell folks how they can get some of these products. I mean, JRCigars.com, they're all available up there, not for long. I mean, the Aganorsa one is uh, is already sold out. We're running exceptionally low on uh, on all our other ones. We have Herrera Esteli launching on Tuesday, October 26th. And then sometime uh, probably in mid to late November, we have um, one from Dumbarton coming out. And oh, then wow. something a little extra special for the end of the year that I'm going to keep on the hush-hush for now, but a little... 
little extra thing uh, in December that we're uh, that we're tr that we're planning on. But wow. yeah, they're all there. All these cigars have been um, awesome, uh, and I thank all the manufacturers who worked with us on them. It's been uh, it's been a dream for me to be able to work on all these projects this year. Well, yeah, you did a really good job with those. Names. Yeah, I yeah. mean that, that what, yeah, it, yeah. what it, was, it was everyone. It was it was it was all the manufacturers. They they did oh, just a fantastic job with it. What an incredible way to f celebrate 50 years! Like you guys did it oh, so. Yeah. I, I can't imagine any other company doing it better than what Jr. has done this year. It's been absolutely um, incredible. Like. Really? Every every time we Eric, turn around, if you, could tell, if you could tell Christine that next time you talk to Christine, <laughs> you just let her know that. Okay, I will, I will. Uh, Randy, we've got Flavor Odyssey coming up on Wednesday. Now we find we finished off the uh, whiskey, i.e., bourbon cocktails segment of the pairing show, and this uh, we're starting a brand new uh, four week five if you count the wild card. Um, segment of the show. What's coming up uh, for the next five weeks? Well, first, I got to just say, absolutely fantastic teaser by Nick Libretti, keeping us on the edge of our seats for the the last uh, the last collaboration of the 50th year anniversary and celebration of JR Cigars. Congratulations, by the way. We'll have the opportunity. Um, and so, for Flavor Odyssey, your favorite cigar pairing show, we focus on. All libations, from beers to cocktails to straight spirits of, of our favorite preferences, we are going to be focusing on non-alcoholic for the next five uh, uh, episodes of the next segment as we focus on mocktails. Super excited. If, yes. you, uh, if you've been asleep at the wheel and not paying attention to the beverage alcohol industry, non-alcoholics are all the rage. This was huge in uh, Australia, on in Europe. People, I know you guys are going to like freak out about this. I know our audience base pretty well. Um, people actually like drinking drinks that seem like they're cocktails but have no alcohol. I don't understand it myself, but we're going to get into it together. We're going to figure it out together. Uh, we're going to be kicking it off on Wednesday, October 27th, with the Shirley Temple. I promise to God that was Robbie Raz's choice. We go from the Shirley Temple to the I believe not it. so spiked. I believe it. <laughs> The, we, we'll, we'll follow it up with the not-so-spiked Arnold Palmer coming back with the uh, the Cold Fashion, which is a cold brew coffee, old-fashioned, non-alcoholic. And then we will finish the segment with a Nojito recipe. So really Ooh. excited. We got a lot of... Uh, really punny names on these that, ones. That, yeah. I know, right? The uh, But the, we got a lot of cigar smokers that, that follow the dojo, that follow the show on Flavor Odyssey that aren't necessarily alcohol-focused uh, in, in their libations, and we wanted to create a, an opportunity. You know, I've said on the show uh, we've done, you know, coffee and soda and, uh, you know, the obvious stuff. We're really excited about to introduce um, some mocktails into the conversation and see how they pair well with cigars. Uh, so I hope to see you guys there on Wednesdays at uh, 6 p.m., uh, West, West Coast Western. time. West Coast time. Yeah, Western. that's that's uh, that's 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Uh, we will uh, announce the winner of the uh, Crux Cigar Box and the uh, scarf on that show on Wednesday. <laughs> the scarf. The scarf. Look at that box. <laughs> that, this is a sexy box. The scarf like, is the most important I love part. Though. Yeah, super cool. Great cigar. That's a great cigar too. It is a great oh, cigar. And so, yeah. so thank you to Casey yeah. uh, Hogan for that. Uh, bringing it uh, with him when he was in studio, 
on Friday night. We had a really good time with Casey. Uh, it was a blast. So thank you, Casey, for that. Uh, for everybody that's uh, joining us right now, um, remember, switch over to the Dojoverse right now. Uh, share what you're smoking. Share what you're drinking. Do some now playing. Hashtag now playing. If you're listening to some music that you want to share with the group, that's always fun. We do it late into the night every single Friday night because it is Friday night, Herf Jordan. That's it's right. Friday night. Herf. What a fantastic show. I want to thank all of our guests. Uh, uh, William Cigar Coop Cooper for being on the show. I want to thank Nick Labretti for being on the show. Obviously, Robbie Raz had to go early. I want to thank Randy, uh, is one of my best buddies in the entire world. And thank you to Jordan, the most incredible producer on the face of the planet. Mm. Thank you, Jordan, for doing mm. this. Until next week, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, next week. Is it fast? Oh, it's fast. What about the options? What about the options? It's got all the options. But, like, what about price? It's got to be expensive. Not expensive at all, man. JR's got the greatest deals on cigars and accessories. Check it out. Oh, wow. Look at these. Oh, look at that deal. It's a good price. What are you guys doing with my car? Your car? I thought this was your car. I thought it was your car. Why would it be my car? I don't know. It's not again. We'll get out, but I'm taking this with a JR on the go. No matter whose car you're in, JR Cigar is there for you.